I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So, Who cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo here with Trevor Sikama. No Sam still. He's out on the road. So, Trevor, welcome to the PFF NFL Podcast. I appreciate you having me, Steve. Um, you know, to fill in while Sam is on a joyride across the country, which I'm trying to keep up with on Twitter. But, uh, yeah, man, I was wondering who was going to fill the seat. You asked me to do it, and uh, we actually have a very fun topic and episode. So I'm very pumped to be here, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, we do. We have a a, a great topic because we're going to give everybody a reason for optimism because it's optimism season. I did this last year. I did it by myself. Sam was out there, and I was like, this is great. I get to take over the show monologue style. Forget his pessimism, and we're just going to you know, stay positive. And uh, and then all of a sudden, when I when I left, him and Austin Gale did uh, the opposite, like re, you know, fatal flaws for all 32 NFL teams. They did that a few weeks ago. For some reason, the people seem to love that. But we're going to put this episode over the top. This is the one that is going to be the top episode of the offseason as we bring some optimism to the table for all 32 NFL They're teams. haters, man. They're hate. Look, <laughs> Sam, Steve, or sorry, Sam and Austin are haters. They that's are. just what it is. That's why they, that's why they do that episode. It's, you know, it's cheap views. Everybody likes to be negative, but we're bringing the positivity. We're going to bring the hype about teams and we're going to tell everybody why uh, they should be happy about their NFL team or things to look forward to. So I'm excited to be on this episode because you're right. This one's going to top the Fatal Fly episodes. I believe it. You're, you're the perfect person for it. With the energy and the optimism, that's what we're here for. A um, couple housekeeping items before we get into that. Congratulations on your engagement, <laughs> first of all. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. it was, uh, I was telling you in the pre-show, but I'll just tell everybody who's listening. I'm very happy that the ring is now on my fiance's finger instead of loose in my pocket like it had to be right before I proposed. So I'm glad that I'm not stressing out about that as much anymore. So that, It's the biggest win. It. Yeah, it's definitely the biggest win. Uh, the other big win is uh, the Twitter shtick of our friend Arif, you know, telling you to get the ring on her finger and all. I, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what he's going to do with his life. When he he's going to have to, you. you know, he's going to have to move on. But I've got full faith that he will find something else to troll <laughs> me about because he's a good friend and that's what good friends do. Uh, before we get into it, don't forget that the best place to play fantasy football this summer is Underdog Fantasy. Their best ball mania tournament has $10 million in total prize money. And the best part is you just draft your fantasy football team and that's it. There's no waivers, no trades, no in-season management. Underdog gives you the best score each week of the season and the highest scores at the end of the year win. It's that simple. The champion of best ball mania last year drafted right here in June. So there's no time like the present. Join Underdog. Take your shot. At a million dollar draft. Plus, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code PFF. Also, if you play 10 of those dollars using promo code PFF, you get 
a free PFF subscription. This is a no-brainer. What are you waiting for? Head to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store, play $10 with code PFF, and draft your best ball mania team today. All right, Trevor, let's get into it, man. We'll go uh, team by team. Usually I go by division. I've decided to go alphabetically today. Hopefully we'll get some timestamps up there for the people so you can click on your team and all that fun stuff. But let's start with the Arizona Cardinals. We'll go team by team, all 32, and try to keep it somewhat tight. We'll see how we do. Uh, It's not easy, you know, doing podcasts under four hours here on the PFF NFL podcast. But uh, Arizona Cardinals, give me a reason for optimism for the Arizona Cardinals for this season? Well, they started the season off last year, 7-0. and So, look, I mean, a lot of the same pieces that were in that team that started the season undefeated through seven games is still there, and I think the main one is Kyler, right? I think the reason why you would maintain optimism for the Arizona Cardinals is there was some wondering what was going to happen with Kyler Murray. Is he going to be super pissed off and want to demand a trade from the team or what's going on there with that. But I think a lot of the core guys that were there during that early run for the Cardinals are still there. I know DeAndre Hopkins got suspended for six games and they have the second hardest schedule in the NFL, but that's the fatal flaw episode and we're not going to bring that up. Yeah, we won't bring that up now. But uh, I think, look, they still have Kyler. Kyler was playing at an MVP caliber level for the first half of that season last year and he's still on the team. There's a lot of still good talent that's on that team. And so I think that would be the big reason for optimism. You got the quarterback and I think that anytime that's the case, you can win a handful of games. Yeah, I agree. It's year four of Kyler. His buddy Marquise Brown is there, so they got some speed, and I would say Arizona last year offensively took that next step when they had this diverse group of playmakers. And again, yeah, Hopkins is going to miss the first six games, but he'll be back. And you have A.J. Green coming back. You still have Rondell Moore, and you don't have to rely on Rondell Moore to be a two or even a three now because of Marquise Brown. You still have Zach Ertz. You drafted Trey Trey McBride. Look, there's playmakers everywhere for Kyler Murray, who heads into year four. And, yeah, that's your reason for optimism for the Cardinals. Kyler in that offense. Cardinals are going to be great. They're Super Bowl bound this year. Super Bowl. Super yes. Bowl. Every, every single team... We're gonna so we're gonna do we're gonna start a bit right now. After every single team, we're, one of us is gonna say Super Bowl bound. Super Bowl bound. Yeah, I mean, even if a team's rebuilding, it's like, hey, you know, don't don't sleep on them. They're gonna make a well, run. Hey, every game, every game starts zero zero. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Steve? Like every game starts an even playing field. Yeah, and in this offseason, you know, nobody's in first place right now. Everybody's tied for first. All 32 teams. How about the Atlanta Falcons and reason for optimism down in uh, Atlanta? Um, well. The red throwback helmets are back. So you should be excited about that. You should be excited that the red throwback helmets are back. Uh, Okay, obviously, Kyle Pitts, he's an ascending young player. He had, like, the quietest 1,000-yard season for a tight end ever, I guess, because people were like, oh, he didn't get 2,000 yards? Why? Yeah, right. Best tight end ever. He's going to have an even better year this year, certainly with all the wide receivers that were on the team last year that are no longer on the team this year. Kyle Pitts is absolutely going to show out, and he is going to be the guy that they lean on to make sure that he was worth that number four overall selection when they took him. And then um, another spot of optimism is you got A.J. Terrell, and uh, I think that it, it's kind of spotty where you can see your optimism with the Atlanta Falcons, but those two guys, you've got two absolute studs on both sides of the ball, um, but most importantly, the red helmets. wanted to make sure I said The red helmets for the Falcons, that's a good start. I mean, I like the fact that they've – 
they've moved toward the rebuild, right? You move on from Matt Ryan. You might, you know, deal with some dead cap hit right now, but they're going to move in the right direction. Seems like there's an identity there in Atlanta, too. It's size. They're just getting monsters on the offensive side of the ball. Who's going to cover Kyle Pitts and Drake London? Add in Brian Edwards, you know, Auden Tate. It's just monsters on that side of the ball at receiver. And, and you mentioned A.J. Terrell. How about Casey Hayward also coming in for this year as a veteran corner? Both of those guys added up to over a win above replacement last year. For two players, for, for, for two corners to do that, that's huge. So that could be uh, you know a sneaky win right there for Atlanta on their playoff push here, Trevor. They're mm. going to the playoffs and probably to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl bound. Super Bowl bound. Atlanta. Super Bowl bound Atlanta Falcons. Everything's moving in the right direction. I can't wait to see what Mariota does. You know, he'll probably he'll probably be rejuvenated like his former teammate Ryan Tannehill. You know, I'm actually really excited about Marcus Mariota. And I know a lot of people are looking at the Falcons situation and be like, oh, they're going to be terrible, whatever. And, okay, the roster is not the best. But I am excited for Mariota. Like, yeah. I do think that he got the short end of the stick with injuries and so many coaching changes in Tennessee. And you know, came in relief at Derek Carr, and he, he looked pretty good at he times did. when he was with the Raiders. So I'm excited. I, I really am. I know it's not the best offensive line in front of him. It's not the best running game. It's not the best receiving core. But I'm, I'm glad that he's getting in another shot because I think he deserves it. I really do. Yeah, Marcus Mariota, it's interesting because we get very much in this binary world with quarterbacks. You either are or you're not. And Mariota's been, you know, a backup the last couple of years. So let's, you know, I think people are thinking, well, he doesn't have it, right? You know, he had his chance at starting and he doesn't have it. He had some decent years as a starter and the Titans had decent years with Mariota as a starter. I always say he's a top, definitely a top 32 quarterback, maybe top 24 in the world. So, um We'll see if he can be even better. Marcus Mariota, excited to see his uh, rejuvenation here in Atlanta. Indeed. indeed. Let's go Baltimore Ravens and what they should be. Uh, what, what should Ravens fans be excited about heading into the season? So, I mean, there's obviously a lot to be excited about with the Baltimore Ravens. You got John Harbaugh, who's one of the best head coaches in the NFL. You have a former MVP in Lamar Jackson. The defense is going to be good and fast again. But I'll, I'll pinpoint one guy, and that's Rashad Bateman. I think wide receiver Rashad Bateman going into his third season is in for a massive year. I think he's in for a huge breakout, not just because Marquise Brown is now gone, but because I had a lot of high hopes for him when he was coming out of college in Minnesota. You know, I remember watching him throughout the scouting process, and I originally wasn't super impressed with him, but kind of as I went on, I was like, you know what? This guy is such a smooth mover for his size. He's got great, reliable hands. He understands route running already as a what I was watching as a sophomore and a junior when he was at Minnesota. And, man, I, I just felt like I, I feel like he's got so much potential, and they're going to have to lean on him a ton in that passing game. When you have Lamar, when you've got J.K. Dobbins as well, hopefully back and healthy, they're obviously going to be a team that runs the ball a lot. But when they pass it, I think they're going to look early and often to Rashad Bateman. And I really do believe that he is going to reward them. I think a thousand yard season is in the cards for Rashad Bateman this year, even on a team that rushes the ball as much as the Ravens. I think he's in for a breakout year. That's something to get excited about. Yeah, I think for me with the Ravens, one of one of the things that could be working in their favor is they're flying under the radar. You know, maybe not you know in Vegas as far as win totals and all that stuff, but across the league, it's like ah, you know the Bengals just went to the Super Bowl. You know, they were representing the AFC North, and the Browns just added Deshaun. Watson, but the Ravens still might be the best team in that division, uh, in part because of the things that you mentioned, but because they continue to make good decisions. It's just a good organization that continues to make good decisions. I think the combination of you know their their high draft picks over the last couple of years, Odafe Owe and 
uh, Kyle Hamilton this year, I think, is going to hit the ground running. Tyler Linderbaum is going to turn that run game into something a little bit more creative. I think he's going to expand that run game because he's a playmaking center, Trevor. Is that, that's how I've been describing Tyler Linderbaum, a playmaking center. I like it. So that's what the Ravens have. And, uh, you know, on their way to the Super Bowl, man. Super Bowl. That's Bowl. where they're going. Yep. Super Bowl. Absolutely, Baltimore. This is when they get over the hump and get to the Super Bowl finally with Lamar Jackson under center. How about the Buffalo Bills? This is an easy one. Be happy, excited Buffalo Bills fans. Why? Yeah, I mean, if I, uh, it, you know, when I said the Ravens, there's so much to get excited about the Bills. I mean, you can basically name so many things on their roster. Uh, I jokingly wrote down that the coin flip rule changed. Yes. So that's a reason for optimism because I I truly believe that if the, if the, if the coin flip rule was to the point where um, – they were going to get the ball back in overtime. I, I absolutely believe that Josh Allen would have gone down and scored it. Who knows what happened after that? But, you know, jokingly saying that the coin flip rule has changed and so they don't have that working against them. But the real answer here is Josh Allen. I, th- this guy, it's unbelievable how good he is and how much better he got. I remember watching his film when he was coming out of Wyoming and – I remember talks of like those way too early mock drafts, people having Josh Allen at potentially number one overall. And I went back and I watched his film and I'm like, this guy's not even close. I mean, he is, he at that point in time when he was at Wyoming, he was that typical big, tall quarterback who could throw the ball really far, had some nice athleticism to him, but he had a crazy arm. He was just a big, tall quarterback. And I said to myself, this is just the NFL setting itself up again for failure, picking a big armed, erratic dude, just because he could throw the ball really far. And you know what? He took his lumps early on in the NFL, but he has molded himself. Thanks to Brian Dable. And obviously the work that he has put in himself into a, phenomenal quarterback one of the best in the nfl a guy that you want to bet on every single sunday and so with that being the case i had the buffalo bills as my afc pick to go to the super bowl last year i'm probably gonna have the same thing this year because i think it's an even stronger bet with the guarantee of what we saw last year from josh allen he's playing the position so well you have to be excited about that agree i mean he was on his way to one of the best playoff runs of all time if if he got to play more football last year, what he did in the wild card round and then in the divisional round, if not that not about keeping pace, but man, he was he was on his way to a legendary postseason before you know you know thirteen seconds away and not great, not a great finish for the Bills, but this is a different year and they get the best roster in the NFL, so this is the year the Bills are going to the Super Bowl. Forget the Ravens, you know they're in the past. You know, that was, that was a couple minutes ago we were talking about the Ravens. The Bills are going to the Super Bowl now in the AFC. Uh, because people thought, they were like, you guys are crazy. You're picking, like, Arizona and Baltimore in the Super Bowl or Atlanta and Baltimore in the Super Bowl. But now Buffalo's taking over. They're yeah. going to the Super Bowl because they get the best roster in the NFL. So that's a pretty simple, easy reason for optimism. Good coaching staff, good front office. You found your elite quarterback. I signed the Josh Allen apology form because he's legit. He's in that range, 290 plus PFF grades, back-to-back years. Bills have it all. And they're on their way, man. They're on their way. Super Bowl bound. All right, how about the Carolina Panthers? This one isn't as easy, but hey, we're, we're bringing optimism for every single organization. Carolina Panthers. 
All right. Uh, I'm currently in Charlotte, North Carolina, so I'm, I'm coming to you live from Charlotte, and I'm looking out my window right now. It's a bright, sunny day. Nice. It's a beautiful Weather. summer day in Charlotte, North Carolina. Break it's a beautiful down. place to live. That's probably the best optimism I got. I mean, I guess you got a soccer team to distract you. They have an NBA team as well. You can go outside and enjoy the beautiful weather. Because on the field on Sundays, it might not look too great for the Carolina Panthers. Um, I guess if I had actual reason for optimism, Christian McCaffrey back and healthy, I guess. I mean, like, that's that's the best of probably what you're getting here. I don't have a lot of faith in Sam Darnold or uh, Matt Corral to make a big difference this you, upcoming season. But. You know they're having those discussions this offseason. Hey, when we had McCaffrey, we're 3-0. Right, just get oh, McCaffrey 100%. back on the field. Yes, yes, yes. They are they are pounding their own Kool Aid right now for uh, for for Christian McCaffrey coming back. So that's about all I got. Might I'll say not be a great might not be a great year for for Carolina. But, I'll say uh, the offensive line is getting that. better. They 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 got the offensive line better. It's going in the right direction. We it's better. Be yeah, but it's going up. They got Iki Iquanu in the first round. You bring in a guy like Austin Corbett. Austin Corbett's like you know when you're when you're coming from a position of bottom five offensive line. Austin Corbett's a massive win in free agency. So you continue to add those pieces. So the offensive line's moving forward. We at least have some competition for Sam Darnold with Matt Corral, whether or not he's going to do it or not. Uh, We're going to say he's going to do it because it's the optimism show. He's going to go. He's going to take the job. And he's going to prove that Matt Corral should have been a first rounder. Panthers got a steal in the third round. They're going to compete in the NFC South, probably make a Super Bowl run. We know that. Uh, But the Panthers at least, I think they made their roster better this offseason I, I i do agree i gave the panthers an a draft grade yeah because there you go. i mean what, what else could you have expected with them having the number six overall pick than to come away with iggy Aquano and matt corral so in that instance i did really like what they did in the draft i like what they did in the draft last year as well so i think that the investments that they made were good players there's a chance that they could come all together and uh you're right carolina panthers super bowl bound I mean, that's that's just uh, the way it's going to be. Matt Corral's going to take the job. He's going to take the reins. He's going to lead him to a Super Bowl. All kidding aside, I did mention that Matt Corral is my dark horse to potentially win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Because Ooh, there's, a yeah. path for, there's a path for him, too. Although it might not be the most likely, there is a path for it. So I'll bet on it here on this show. Let's All say right. it happens. Panther Super Bowl bound. Matt Corral, Offensive Rookie of the Year, because uh, he's going to find the field. He's going to beat yep. out Sam Darnold, at least at some point. How about the Chicago Bears? Man, their fans, they're, they're, the fans are trying to defend what they're doing. Ryan Poles comes in, and everybody's like, oh, you got to help Justin Fields. you got to help Justin Fields. So maybe they haven't added enough pieces around Justin Fields. But have they? Is this still the right moves that they've been making over in Chicago? It has to be on this show. Yeah, right. You're right. I, you're, you're right. It's, it's the best moves. There, there was no other way they could have gone. It was a home run job. No, I, I'll, I was skeptical about kind of how they approached their assets this offseason. And, you know, it's funny because I, I like the players that they added, right? I like Kyler Gordon. I like Jaquan Brisker. Those players Same. are going to be good for them. But to sit here and say, well, a, a way we can help out Justin Fields is by having a good defense – okay, you are right if your team was a little bit closer to complete. You throwing a lot of resources towards the defensive side of the ball means that you're kicking the can down the road again to get Justin Fields more assets along the offensive line and in the passing game. And 
that's just really worrisome because my my reason for optimism would be that I watched what Justin Fields was at Ohio State, and that was an unbelievably talented quarterback. He is still on your roster. You still have what you believe is going to be your franchise guy, and he could take a massive leap this year. Look, if he is that franchise type of quarterback, it's it's going to look a lot better. So it, it just naturally because he is that talented. So I think that that's the reason why you're definitely believing if you're Chicago. I didn't love the moves that they made this offseason, but you you have to be excited about Justin Fields. You have to be. You've got one of the best young quarterbacks in the game, the most talented quarterbacks in the game. And so I really do. I I think that that's probably the reason that you've got to have a lot of optimism. So Justin Fields' optimism, I agree with that. I would Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator, let's buy into the uh, OTA hype. He said, we're moving the pocket. We're moving him out. You know, Cole Komet comes out, tight end. He's like, hey, we're moving the pocket. Justin Fields is making plays outside of structure here in OTAs. Let's drink the OTA Kool-Aid because if we were going to do that last year and and go negative and say, wow, I can't believe Andy Dalton's the starter, we got to go positive. Justin Fields is making plays right now in OTAs. They're going to actually roll the pocket because that's all he needed. That's what everybody said Matt Nagy didn't do. And that's what they, that's all they need to do is roll the pocket. The you hit the buzzwords and people just go crazy around yeah. this time of year. So you yeah. love to, you love to hear it. I mean, you roll the pocket like 8% of your dropbacks, but that's really going to turn things around. Anyway, um, fields optimism, I'm in. Here's the thing, right? I'm not as down on the Bears draft as everyone else. I like that Ryan Poles came in and trusted the process. I think the Bears roster was in such bad shape that you couldn't just say, man, I, gotta, I just got to fill my needs. He went and trusted the board and trusted the process. I'm with you on Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker as first. Like, I like those players. They're good um, players. They're, they're still yeah. at valuable positions in the secondary, even if they're not directly helping the offense. So I, I think because the situation was so poor from a roster standpoint, uh, Ryan Poles trusting his process and adding a volume in the draft, which was needed. It's, it's, look, the Bears are still going to make the Super Bowl this year, but it's an uphill battle. Let's, let's not lie here, right? I mean, they're yeah, still going to make yeah, it. You don't want it to be easy. You know, you want yeah. to earn it. You want to, you want to feel that you earned it. So Makes Bears, the story 100%. better. Think about that. Think about America's game uh, next year DVD, when the Bears win the Super Bowl, right? The DVD is going to be beautiful. It's going to be incredible. It's be great. So that's why we're optimistic in Chicago. Um, Indeed. In uh, my hometown here, Cincinnati, uh, this is this you're is from, easy. Hold, you're from Cincinnati. Well, I mean, I live here now. It's now my oh, hometown. okay, okay. Adopted right. hometown for six years. Okay, really there. from Boston, right. but um, Cincinnati, uh, the new hometown. You know, they, they painted it orange uh, all throughout January and February as as they were yeah. going on their playoff run. Uh, Joe Burrow is the reason for optimism right here. Right, yeah, the only no, orange I mean, that, that matters is is Bengals orange, not electric orange cheese from Skyline. You know, that's not the most important orange here. It is Bengals orange and Joe Burrow. What else you got for the Bengals? Look, I mean, like, that's obviously where it starts with the Bengals is that you have Joe Burrow. And, and you know, I I went to one Bengals game last year. I went to Bengals Chiefs, which ended up being obviously an incredible game. And, you know, I'm one of those people who it, it's – you almost you find yourself being skeptical of Joe Burrow because he is he's not the biggest dude he's not the fastest dude he doesn't have the biggest arm and you go like okay he's got to catch up to him at some point right and I I went into that game against the Chiefs and the Bengals still had playoff hopes obviously at that point in the year but the Chiefs are coming into town and I was like all right Chiefs are going to handle business like the Chiefs are going to outscore whatever the Bengals have been doing 
and it just doesn't happen. He just said Joe Burrow just makes it. He is so good at the quarterback position. He understands it so well. He knows where the ball has to go. He gives his receivers chances, but he gives them chances in the right the right places and at the right times. He just the way that he manages the pocket, how he balances being a gunslinger and and being a guy who needs to take shorter passes and just how he navigates the confidence for all that. This dude is an MVP caliber quarterback. He is obviously a guy who can bring you to the Super Bowl as we saw last year. They've got a top, they've got a potential top five wide receiver duo in Jamar Chase and T Higgins. If T Higgins, for as much as people talk about Jamar Chase, holy crap, T Higgins had an unbelievable he was really good. last year as well, yep. which people need to recognize too. The offensive line's getting better. The defense, I think they've invested plenty of uh, of resources into that as well. This is this is a complete team here. This really is. I mean, not to say that things can't get better in certain areas, that they can't improve, but when you look at this roster top to bottom, there, there's not this, to me, there's not this mega, wow, that is a glaring mistake. I would have told you it's the offensive line, but it held up well enough for them to go to the Super Bowl last year. So, man, so much reason to be optimistic about the Bengals again. Maybe it's not a Super Bowl, but on this show, we're going to say it's a Super Bowl. They're just a really talented team, and they're putting themselves in a position to compete at the highest level. Hey, look, it would have sounded great. I actually got to go back to last year's because I may have done, I may have had that shtick last year saying everybody's going to the Super Bowl. Um, we should pull. I, I got to go back and see if I did say that about the Bengals because that would have sounded crazy last year at this time. Bengals going to the Super Bowl, but um, they like you said they went there with that offensive line. They've added three new starters, all solid to solid plus type of players: Lyle Collins, Alex Kappa, Ted Karras. Huge. Uh, they go into the draft, and it's not like we're saying, man, you know, they, they left some needs out there. You know, they just they just added good players that fit what they want to do defensively and everything in Cincinnati. So, a uh, lot of reason for optimism here, and obviously, the Bengals are going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl of once course, again Super Bowl bound. this year. Uh, the PFF NFL podcast is brought to you by Cash App. Cash App is the easiest way to send, spend, and save your money. You could send or request money from your friends when they owe you for dinner, drinks, literally anything. Besides just sending money back and forth with Cash App, you can invest in stocks with as little as $1, as well as buy, sell, and send Bitcoin instantly. Cash App also lets you design your own debit card completely free to spend money anywhere you'd like. Cash App will laser print it and mail it to you all for free. And the card comes with free discounts at your favorite places called Boosts. So sign up for Cash App today using referral code TOUCHDOWN. Which gives, which gives new users $15. That's promo code TOUCHDOWN for $15 free dollars. Look at this. Free money, free mm. subscriptions, all here on the PFF NFL podcast. So go check that out with our friends at Cash App. All right, the Cleveland Browns. Reasons for optimism in Cleveland. Again, one of the better rosters in the NFL. So we'll definitely start there. Right, yeah. I mean, it's definitely, I think that they've got a phenomenal roster, no doubt about it. You know, the Deshaun Watson, them adding Deshaun Watson, of course, it's a piece that could take them over the top, but who knows if he even plays this upcoming season. Plus, I think that the way that they went about getting Deshaun Watson, it, it kind of makes my skin crawl. So I don't like talking about that as a as a plus for them. But right. I will say the running game, man, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Dearness Johnson, those three guys, it's a really great running back room. They've got a great offensive line in front of them, especially when it comes to rushing the football. They've been top five in each of the last two years in rushing. I think that's going to continue again this year because of the talent that they have on the offensive line and in the running back room, man. I think that no matter what happens at the quarterback position, whether Watson gets suspended for a handful of games, half a season, a full season, whatever happens with Baker Mayfield as well, they know they can lean on that running game to control games, no matter what kind of 
of opponent they're playing, no matter what kind of pace their opponent wants to play against them. The defense is talented. The run game is talented. So they've got a lot there that definitely should give them reason to be optimistic no matter what happens at quarterback. Yeah, I just like the way they've built a deep roster, you know, across the board. You know, they were – I was listening to their their post-game – uh, post-draft press conference with Andrew Barry and, and a lot of the questions were like why'd you get this guy you already have people at this position why'd you get this guy you already have people at this position and he's like do, do, you know, basically saying do you, do you understand what you're asking here this is the Cleveland Browns we, we were we were trying to draft immediate contributors three four years ago now they're drafting players that are just competing for playing time there is so much depth on this Browns team so I think that's your reason for optimism I'm with you on the Deshaun stuff we'll see how that plays out and what ends up happening there, but I do know that the foundation of the offensive line is solid. The secondary is very good. They brought back Jadavian Clowney to, to pair with Miles Garrett, so you've got some talent on the defensive line. So I think the Browns, across the board, have done some really good things as far as roster building goes, few holes across the roster, and um, you know they're, they're right up there in the AFC North with the Bengals and the Ravens, probably making a Super Bowl run Indeed. in Cleveland. Yep. Incredible. It's going to be incredible in Cleveland. How about the Dallas Cowboys and reasons for optimism in Dallas? Yeah, Dak. I mean, like, that's 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 the biggest reason why. Dak is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, I think. He, he gives you a chance to win every single week. Uh, I know they're losing Amari Cooper, but I think the CeeDee Lamb's going to be able to step in, and he's going to ascend to an even higher level as a wide receiver one on that team. You hope the offensive line can certainly stay healthy, even though they're aging, but I, I think it's all Dak Prescott. Certainly, you can go to the other side of the ball, and you can look at Micah Parsons and how he have much of an alien he has been and what he can do on your defense as a chess piece, but it, it, it just it's it starts with Dak. I mean, it has to. He gives he is such a talented quarterback in so many different ways. He's been, been in so many big games over the last two, three, four years because he has played for the Dallas Cowboys. And Cowboys also have the second easiest schedule in the NFL according Ooh. to you know wins and losses from the previous season. So easy schedule. You got a franchise quarterback in Dak Prescott. I think those are two big reasons to think that Dallas could win that division and, uh, of course, make a Super Bowl run. I'm with you on Dak, obviously, because I think we now we've seen multiple years of, of good Dak. You know, since he got, he got hurt in 2019, he was really good in 2000, right? 2020. Oh, 2020. Uh, he was 20, good in 20, 2019, 20, 20. got hurt in 2020, but he was playing well. Played well again last year, particularly before his injury. He won't have the calf injury this year. So Dak is back. You still have enough playmakers. You have all-world Micah Parsons in, in year two. You know, Parsons was Lawrence Taylor-esque as a rookie, but he's going to be in year two here, per- perhaps getting even better on that defensive side of the ball for, for the Cowboys. So, um, look, even though there are they, – they lost some players – this offseason, but I think they've also built a good enough foundation that they can replace a Connor Williams at guard. They can replace an Amari Cooper at receiver. Uh, they can replace a Randy Gregory because the rest of the roster is is good enough. So, uh, yeah, I'm still I'm still high on the Cowboys because I'm high on every team here today, Trevor. That's what that's what we are. We're high on every single team, and Dallas is going to the Super Bowl this year, man. You know Super- that Super Bowl bound, no doubt, no doubt about it. As are the Denver Broncos. Who are next up on the list? This one should. Pro- this, this has got to be easy. Why are we excited I, in Denver? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we we've talked about some of the best rosters in the NFL. Denver is also right up there with one of the best rosters in the NFL. There's no doubt about it. The, the the main reason for optimism is, of course, you have Russell Wilson. Right, this team was good top to bottom last year, but unfortunately, towards the bottom of that top to bottom 
was their quarterback position. That's no longer the case. They get a, they get a guy who's an MVP caliber quarterback, a former Super Bowl quarterback, one of the best in the NFL still with Russell Wilson. And, and I think that plugging him into this situation, that depth chart, even with a new coaching staff there, which there's going to be some familiarity and some chemistry that they need to work out in the probably the first half of the season, you've got to be pumped about this. Even in what is, without a doubt, the toughest division in the NFL, the Denver Broncos have a reason to believe that they can come out on top of that division, have the number one seed in the AFC, uh, and make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, obviously, they're the favorite in the AFC West, right? At least at least at this part of the show. It's the Broncos. Right. But adding Russ, yeah, that's, that's the obvious one. But again, it's that foundation. Much like we talked about with the Browns, the rest of the roster is good. You've got this uh, potentially electric receiving core. You know, Jerry Judy's going to take a year three big step forward this year. My guy, Tim Patrick, they brought him back into the mix. Cortland Sutton's a year removed from his injury, so he's going to be looking much better. K.J. Hamler coming off injury, so you've got dudes to throw to. The O-line is solid. You had Randy Gregory on the defensive line, so the pass rush is going to be better. I love that they got Nick Benito uh, late second as, as a designated pass rush type. And the secondary is, is just really good. You've got Patrick Sertan. He flew under the radar last year as a rookie, too. You don't see too many rookie corners come in and play as well as he did. So I think Denver has all of the pieces here. Roster's good. You plop the quarterback onto the roster with Russell Wilson, and all of a sudden, you're Super Bowl bound. In Denver, you're going back. We're going to say, what, this is going to be Broncos and uh, who are they going to it's play? Gonna be, in the Super it's going to be it's going to be the Bills, Ravens, Broncos, Bengals versus the Cowboys and uh, <laughs> it's the Cardinals Pro Bowl in uh, in the Super Bowl. You just described the Pro Bowl. That's what this is the new Pro Bowl. <laughs> How about new Pro Bowl idea? You take a little bit of every team and you put some in the AFC and you put the NFC guys together and then they play a game against each other. Huh? That's that's the Pro Bowl. The, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's they, the Pro Bowl. I mean, they wanted to redo the Pro Bowl. That, I think I it's plagiarism. Actually, I think, I think I Yeah, I don't think that's going to fly as a new idea. But uh, that's how we're doing it here. Broncos going to the Super Bowl, as are the Detroit Lions, right? Ah, uh, yes. Right the in the middle Lions. of their rebuild, it's like boom, accelerated rebuild here in Detroit. But uh, regardless, whether or not they go to the Super Bowl, there's still a lot of reason for optimism in Detroit. They're going the right direction. I mean, and and that's kind of where this all focuses with Detroit. You mentioned they're kind of in the middle of this rebuild. You don't want to, like, jump the shark and get too ahead of yourself because they've done a lot of really good things, I think, over the last two years, right? Taking on Jared Goff's contract when you knew you weren't weren't going to be great, but getting the extra draft picks, turning it into some really, really talented players. I mean, I love the draft that they had this past year as well um, with Aiden Hutchinson. And, uh, and Jamison Williams as well. So they, I, I loved how they've navigated the draft the last two years. You've got to be excited about what Brad Holmes is doing as a GM. I am so excited for Brad or, uh, for Dan Campbell as, as a head coach, man. I, I, I hope this next year is certainly the best yet for him. I hope he continues to go in the right direction because it just feels like when you looked at last year, yeah, they weren't winning a ton, but the guys were playing hard for him. They were setting up the culture that they needed to. And a lot of people look at culture and they just go like, oh, yeah, talk about culture, okay. But like, it does matter. That stuff does matter. Setting up a winning culture, a winning attitude, consistency, work ethic, process, everything. Those things show up on Sundays. I promise you they do. I think they're setting it up the right way. And if I had to get more specific about it man i love this offensive line i love where this yeah. offensive line is going right taylor decker penny sewell frank rag now they've got jonah jackson as well um Vi- Hala- oh shoot how do you- I- Puli. oh shoot how do you say his name i, I usually just say big v vitae <sighs> i don't want to how 
Halapuli Vitae, I think is how you say his name. I'm probably butchering it. I'm butchering it, whatever. I that's right. Uh, I, I like the offensive line. Uh, I like where the offensive line is going. I think this can be a top 10 unit in the NFL, maybe even a top five unit if they take a massive leap up. But love the direction they're going. They're building through the trenches. Love to see it. In the Everybody grading in the green or even the blue on the offensive line over the last couple of years as far as the Lions go. So I, I love – I'm with you on all that stuff. I'm with you in that they have a plan, right? There's a multi-year plan in place here where they – they got better in the trenches last year. They added speed in Jameson Williams, maybe the best player in the draft, and Aiden Hutchinson, who you mentioned. There is a plan in Detroit. I'm also optimistic because Aaron Rodgers is getting old, right? He's getting old. He's going to be gone soon in the NFC North, and the Lions are going to be ready to take over. They're going to take over the NFC North. That's what they're doing. They're building to take over once Aaron Rodgers is gone. It, you're, it's funny. We're allowed to slander the other teams when we're talking about certain teams, but then right. obviously when we get to the Packers, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, playing the best football of his life. Packers are next, by the way. But yeah, for now, oh, while we're really? talking, <laughs> while we're talking about the Lions, Aaron Rodgers is old. He's worrying about golf and all this stuff. He's, you know, he's he's coming off this big golf victory with Tom Brady. He doesn't care. You know, it's it's the Lions' time to shine in the NFC North and take over. Uh, but again, realistically, the the line is good. The roster is getting better. I just like that they're moving in the right direction. And, and Brad Holmes, they have a multi-year plan, right? They've, they've added high draft picks over the last couple of years and bringing in guys that can play over the last two seasons. Yep. Now to the Green Bay Packers. Hmm. Aaron Rodgers, MVP. Got to be optimistic about that in Green Bay. The, 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 why you're optimistic in Green Bay is... Aaron Rodgers didn't retire. I mean, that's it. That, yeah. that, that is what it is. That is that is why you have optimism in Green Bay. Whenever you have number 12 back there, you can beat anybody any Sunday. You can make it to any playoff game, any Super Bowl, any. And I know, I know that he's only won one, and people are going to point that out. But you look at the success record of, of Aaron Rodgers, especially since Matt LaFleur got, got there. I mean, it's basically just been unmatched, the winning percentage that these guys have had. And it's tough to win in the playoffs. I mean, it's tough to get to the Super Bowl. I know people people love to judge quarterbacks off of how many Super Bowls they make it to, how many Super Bowls they win. Guys, this is hard. This is so – it is a single elimination tournament in the NFL when you get to the playoffs. Man, it's just it, – it's such a tough thing to do. I think that you've got to – You've got to zoom out a little bit when you look at appreciating players and and appreciating what they've done. And Aaron Rodgers, you mentioned it, playing at a back-to-back MVP level. He he is he gives you a chance against anybody. I know they don't have Devontae Adams anymore, but you know if any quarterback in the NFL it feels can make the most out of a depleted wide receiver core, you think that it's going to be one of the best pure passers who's ever played the game of football, who's still playing at a very, very high level. So that is truly the reason to be optimistic in Green Bay. I think the defense also took a step up. Some of the young guys, you know, you look at Eric Stokes, of course, you bring in a guy like Quay Walker. You've got Devondre Campbell, Rashawn Gary took a, took a big step the year before, right? All of those guys, I think, also get into the mix on the other side of the ball, but it all re- revolves around number 12 and him still being in Green Bay. Yeah, look, you're right. It's, it's not easy to win Super Bowls. Not everybody can beat Tom Brady. You know, it's, it's tough. You can't compare everybody to Tom it Brady. Is. But... They do have all the pieces in Green Bay. Roger's still playing well. Uh, you, you take the Devontae Adams money and you disperse it across the entire roster. Is this the best defense that Aaron Rodgers has ever had, or at least since 2010 when they made their Super Bowl run? They remember they had a really good defense that year when yeah. they made that run. Charles Woodson, MVP, uh, I think he was Defensive Player of the Year that year, or 09. But either way, they were, they were legit defensively. This could be right up there. As far as the defense goes, that secondary is awesome. Rashawn Gary, you mentioned, took an, uh, a huge step forward in year three. He was one of the better pass rushers in the NFL last season. You, you get a career year out of Devondre Campbell and bring him back. So the defense is strong in Green Bay. 
And even without Devontae Adams, I think Aaron Rodgers plus Matt LaFleur, I think they're going to figure out how to, how to move the ball offensively. So um, still reason for optimism in Green Bay. It all starts with Aaron Rodgers, but also that defense being very good there. Now, slightly different team here, the Houston Texans. And um, I'll be honest here, Trevor. No, they're not that different. Yeah, the no, that's true. The, Texans? the Packers are going to the Super Bowl, first yep. of all. The Texans are going to be right in the mix as well. Um, but yeah, I, I right just, right. know, full disclosure, we haven't been all that optimistic about the Texans the last, you know, two and a half years, basically. Hasn't been a lot to be optimistic about for the Houston Texans. But it's different now. It's completely it different, different now. now. We've, got, we've got reasons for optimism in yeah. Houston. If... Uh... If if you're a Houston Texans fan and you own Brandon Cooks in fantasy football, he might win your fantasy leagues. That's something there to we be go. optimistic about because I think that they're going to absolutely force feed Brandon Cooks and there's a chance that he could be in for a career year because I don't think Davis Mills played that bad the year before. Did not. So I think he's going to get a little bit better and obviously I think they're going to really run their offense totally through Brandon Cooks. But you know, in a more serious note, I do think that I'm a big fan of what the Texans has been able to do this offseason, how they navigate it, right? You look at the you look at the offseason before and Nick Casario, the general manager there, I mean, his hands were kind of tied, right? They didn't really have any high draft picks. Their first draft pick, they ended up taking Davis Mills, who has kind of worked out for them a little bit, at least as a better option for a stopgap quarterback. If he's not that franchise guy, then he's he's giving you a reason to not be in a dumpster fire team until you get there, until you get to that point where you want to pull the trigger on a guy who might be a little bit better. But you look at what he was able to do in this past draft. I mean, how he what the players that he went for? Okay, Derek Stingley Jr., Jalen Petrie, uh, Christian Harris, Kenyon Green, John Mechie. I love all these guys, man. I love this draft that Houston had. I loved how they navigated it. I thought that was smart. They got really good playmakers in there. And okay, maybe they could have hit different needs at different spots, but. It's kind of a situation similar to what you were talking about with Andrew Barry when he was referencing what the Cleveland Browns were. They're not in that situation where they're picking for depth, but mentioning what the Cleveland Browns used to be, that's where the Houston Texans are right now, where they just need to be picking really good football players to build the roster out, get the talent roster up at that point. So I think the reason to be optimistic is you've got to like Casario has done this offseason what he got back and the return he got back for Deshaun Watson handling that situation, what he then did with the draft picks, I think gives you a lot of faith moving forward. Yeah, I, I think that's the part of it, right? It's is there are players to build around now. You know, after after two years of of adding backups and special teamers and all that stuff and having a low volume drafts, you you have you have a lot more draft picks. You have players that are gonna come in and start, Derek Stingley and Kenyon Green. I mean you're gonna have guys that are gonna come in in play and you can sit there and watch and root for the future of the Houston Texans which you you weren't able to do really over the last year and so Derek Stingley as a start uh, an exciting player could be a top five type of corner you you basically the reason for optimism is you finally you moved on from Deshaun Watson and you can start to see the future in Houston and maybe it gets accelerated this year and maybe they go make their Super Bowl run as well. Not a maybe. Not a maybe. It's, I mean, Super it's certainly happening in Google Houston. Map. But even if it doesn't, even if it doesn't, there's still reason to be excited and optimistic in Houston because they've added football players that are going to be there next year. 
You know, that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing in Houston. Last year they were adding guys that were just there for a year. You know, here's don't get too attached to Johnny's special teamer here because <laughs> he's gone. But the Texans have players that are going to be there over the next couple of years, and you can start to see how this team is going to be, uh, how they're going to shape this team going forward. So um, big offseason for the Houston Texans, who are Super Bowl bound, as are their division rivals, the Indianapolis Colts. It's going to be tough for all this to happen. But the Colts adding Matt Ryan, I think, is certainly a, a start. But, at, you know, look, the Colts had this, like, slow off season. It didn't feel great. But when you go back and evaluate what they brought in, I like a lot of what the Colts did, whether it was free agency, the draft, or the Matt Ryan trade. Yeah, I mean, the big reason is, is, is Matt Ryan, right? I mean, them capitalizing on Matt Ryan, getting him in the building over Carson Wentz, I, I think is a huge upgrade. I really do, because I, I think Matt Ryan still got a decent amount left in the tank. It might not be half a decade, but even if it's just, shoot, even if it's just two years of really good Matt Ryan play before he kind of starts to really decline, that is what you want if you're in Indianapolis because you're in the winning window. You, you look at what happened last year with them. If they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, they were in the playoffs, right? Was that the guarantee? If they be, if, yes. we, if they would have beat the Jaguars, they would have been in the playoffs, correct? Yeah, and they'll, they'll be the, they're not going to lose to the Jaguars again this right. year in Jacksonville. Right. So, it's not going to so, happen. So, like, you get to that point where they were a win over the worst team in football away from getting into the playoffs. Okay, well, I think that their roster and. I'm going to say it. Their quarterback position is set up to where something like that is not going to happen. They have the talent around the rest of the roster. I think Chris Ballard's done a good job building that roster the way that they've needed to. Um, and, and when you plug in Matt Ryan, that's the reason why you're going to be optimistic about it. I think the Tennessee Titans are going to take a big step back this year. I really do. I think it's going to open the door for the Indianapolis Colts to be able to take the top of that division and get back to the playoffs. Uh, you were an Alec Pierce guy, weren't you? Receiver from uh, Cincinnati? Yeah. I did. I like Alec Pierce a good amount, man. I, I love the fact that they went after the athletes, and Alec Pierce is a rare one at his size and what he's able to do athletically. And so you get you get him and Michael Pittman Jr. on the field at the same time. Hopefully, a healthy Paris Campbell as well. And all of a sudden, you got a really nice receiving room for Matt Ryan to throw it to. So I did. I like Alec. Pierce. Yeah, if a lot of these things hit, Pierce's speed along with Pittman's size. Uh, the offensive line is going to be better than they were last year. We, we projected them as one of the best in the league last year. They'll be better, you know, just being healthy up front. And, and then defensively, they added Stephon Gilmore on the back end as well. That dude can still play. So the Colts have a lot of good pieces in place. Matt Ryan can still play. He's still in a dome. You know, I would be a little worried if Matt Ryan was going outside. You know, but he's still he's in the friendly confines of, of a dome here, which you know, which matters. Domes matter. I'm a big dome believer that it does matter in how you throw the ball. So you've got Matt in a nice, comfortable space indoors, and the Colts are going to make that Super Bowl run because Matt Ryan's putting them over the top here. He's putting them over the top here this year. Uh, it's going to be sure. tough to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, though, who are yeah, next is. on it our is. list. Who are, who are Super Bowl bound. And the reason why is because uh, the reason for optimism is Urban Meyer is no Less is more. Big Holy. believer. Addition by subtraction. This is like multiplication by subtraction here. Holy smokes, man. That was one of the most embarrassing things. That whole saga is just the most embarrassing. Doug Peterson's not going to be at the, I, at the I mean, club. Just, it, it is it, it's right? unthinkable how bad that was. But it's not just that they got rid of Urban Meyer. You right. brought up Doug Peterson's name. I love the Doug Peterson edition uh, over on my podcast, NFL stock exchange that I do with Connor Rogers. We did an exercise in January where we talked about what we believe the best 
head coaching pairings would be for all of the vacancies that were available. And I said Doug Peterson for the Jacksonville Jaguars because he's got the experience. He's got the quarterback background. He's worked with a lot of different quarterbacks to make them a lot better. And obviously winning a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles and backup Nick Foles. I mean, this dude just understands quarterback play. So not only is this an experienced head coach that gets a process, a culture back in the building, something that Jacksonville hasn't had in a long, long time. You don't waste any more time with Trevor Lawrence. You're hoping that he definitely gets to take a big step forward after kind of a disappointing year last year, actually get somebody in his ear who knows what they're talking about. Love the Doug Peterson edition. Pairing him and Trevor Lawrence, I think, is the big reason you got to be optimistic. Yeah, in, you know, recent NFL trends we've seen um, under Doug Peterson, we saw year two Carson Wentz become an MVP candidate. We saw year two Lamar Jackson become an MVP uh, Joe Burrow, year two, massive breakout, going to the Super Bowl. Uh, Justin Herbert was really good year one and year two, but year two was was electric as he was the second most valuable quarterback in the league last year per PFF war. That's going to be Trevor Lawrence this year. Year two breakout, Trevor Lawrence Indeed. in the MVP conversation, right? Start living up to that talent, Doug Peterson getting the best out of him. Maybe they overpaid for some players, but those players are certainly better than what they had on the roster last year. Say what you want about what they're paying Christian Kirk and Brandon Scherf and uh, you know some of the other players that they brought in, but they're, they've improved. The roster's better in Jacksonville, and Trevor Lawrence is going to be an MVP candidate in his second season. We know that. Of course. So Super the Jaguars, finally going to make it to the Super Bowl. I don't know if you know, but I was a, I was a mid-'90s, our listeners know, mid-'90s Jaguars fan. I, Mark Brunel is my all-time favorite player. Mm-hmm. So the heartbreak of 1996, Mark Brunel in the AFC Championship. Uh, 1999, they're in the AFC Championship. They're 14-2, and two, and they lost to the Titans. But the Jags are going to put that all aside. No more heartbreak on their way to the Super Bowl this year. Trevor Love Lawrence it. putting it all it. together. Kansas City Chiefs. Reasons for optimism in Kansas City. I mean, this, usually this is easy. You, you got Mahomes. And, but even in a year when you lose Tyreek Hill, Chiefs are making a lot of good moves, especially what they brought in the draft. Yeah, I mean, the number one reason for optimism, it goes back to every team that has a quarterback. You've got the half-billion-dollar man uh, in Patrick Mahomes, and obviously when you have 15 back there, you beat anybody, even without Tyreek Hill. Now, the Tyreek Hill subtraction is going to be tough for them. You know, they've I built their name certainly off the trioed core of Hill and Mahomes and, and Travis Kelsey, and so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of divvy up those targets and what they do on offense, but Mahomes is talented enough to really elevate a lot of the guys that they have in that room, even if they are not Tyree Kill's caliber of player. I also love the newcomers on defense. You mentioned it there. I love George Karloftis. I love Trent McDuffie, Leo Chanel, Brian Cook. Like Those guys – I really liked throughout the scouting process for, for, respectively for where I had them on my big boards and their positions. And I just think they're really good players, man. And I think this Chiefs defense needed some new blood. They needed some new guys in there. And th- these were really great additions. I'm excited to see what they do and how get, they get creative with Carlottis and where you're putting him along the defensive line, how he's working with Chris Jones, Derek Nottie, and Frank Clark and all those guys there, and what you're going to do with Trent McDuffie. Okay, is he going to play almost like a pseudo-safety role for you? Is he going to play in a slot? Can you play him outside? I think you've got the ability to play him at all of those spots, but where exactly are they going to place him? Leo Chanel is the same way. A chess piece kind of linebacker who is this bigger, stronger, very athletic dude who can go up against interior offensive linemen and handle them like he weighs 40 more pounds up in the 300s. And so just I'm very curious to see how they're going to use all these guys because I love their talents and I love that they just 
really invested in the defensive side of the ball this past draft. So I think that's that's all reasons to believe that the Chiefs could still be the kings of that division this year. Look, I, I spent a lot of time saying, man, Chiefs might get worse before they get better. Because you're losing Tyreek and the way he dictates coverage and the big plays that he brings to the table and his connection with Mahomes. But we get to see, you know, this was uh, d- this happened with Deshaun Watson a couple years ago, happened with Matthew Stafford at various points in their career. Uh, Watson looked like he was too dependent on DeAndre Hopkins, and then they lose Hopkins. He had his best season, and uh, Matthew Stafford at one point was too reliant on Calvin Johnson, and they lose him. And, and Stafford's been fine, obviously. And maybe he maybe he was too reliant on Cooper Cup last year, but that that doesn't exist because Cooper Cup's going to get open no matter what. That that doesn't Unreal. even exist as a as a thing. But you get to see Patrick Mahomes maybe even expand his game. We might actually see Mahomes take a step forward in his game this year because it's not going to be as simple as, hey, look, Tyreek's open deep or get it to him in space and he's going to take it to the house. Mahomes is going to spread the ball around. He's going to become a better quarterback. He's going to stay in the pocket just a tick more but still have those outside-the-pocket plays. The offensive line's one of the best in football. And now the aggressive decision, it was really an aggressive decision by the Chiefs to trade the flashy commodity of Tyreek Hill and to say, you know what, we're going to replace him with four or five players in the draft and have better depth across the roster. And when you look at how they drafted, the players that they drafted, the guys that you listed, you're going to have three or four starters coming out of that. You know, that is that is huge. So the Chiefs, right back to the Super Bowl. This isn't crazy. The Chiefs are going right back to the Super Bowl this year. They're doing it without Tyreek Hill, and they're doing it by replacing him with a plethora of good players in Kansas City. Certainly reason for us optimism in Kansas City and the other AFC West teams that are coming up here, starting with the Las Vegas Raiders. Josh McDaniels coming in. Derek Carr has been paid. They bring in Devontae Adams. A lot of reason for excitement in Las Vegas this year. Yeah, uh, the main reason for excitement is the Derek Carr-Devontae Adams connection is back from Fresno State. If you go back to 2013, which was that final season that those two guys had together, Derek Carr passed for – this is in college. These are college stats, people – 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns, okay? He led the country in both of those categories. And then Devontae Adams on the other side of things, he had 131 catches, over 1,700 yards, 24 touchdowns. Those were those were nation-leading stats Ridiculous. for this duo. And so I'm very, very excited about this. And I'll tell you another nugget of why I'm excited about it. Because when I was – 2013 would have been – I think that was that was that was my first year where I really got into scouting. I had kind of done scouting the, the couple of drafts before, just taking some notes on my own and done some position rankings and mock drafts and things like that. But I think that that was the very first draft that I did where I was really being serious about grading a lot of these guys. I remember watching Derek Carr and the confidence that that dude played with when he was at Fresno, and I was like, "This guy is going to light up the NFL." He's got the arm. He's got the mobility. And when he throws with that kind of confidence that we saw at Fresno State, especially that last year, I was like, this guy is going to light up the NFL. And when he got to the NFL, he kind of lost a decent amount of that confidence. And it has been a slow burn for him to really regain all of that. And I think he's playing some really great football. I think a lot of people are too low on Derek Carr. They take a lot of shots at him. And I, I don't. I think that he is underrated or at least has been over the last couple of years. Maybe he's getting a little bit more respect nowadays. But with Devontae Adams back with him, I'm truly hoping that he just takes that confidence and that, that gunslinger mentality that we saw at Fresno State 10 years ago. 
and he had and he unleashes that that just full unwavering confidence into the NFL when he's thrown to Adams because if that happens man the Raiders they've got they're going to be in some shootouts and they're going to be extremely fun to watch this upcoming season so that is what I am most excited about that is the reason to have the most optimism because you've got a quarterback wide receiver duo that has dominated their level of competition the last time they were together and see, I, I love it because I think you can actually back up what you're saying with the numbers, right? You can, especially if you have PFF Elite, which, by the way, you get for 25% off using the promo code NFL Pod. But go to Derek Carr's page using Premium Stats 2.0, all part of your PFF Elite package, and you check out his average depth of target and how it really dropped uh, 2019, 2018, uh, 19, right? And then it just it started to bump up a little bit. Like the Raiders got him a little bit more aggressive. And you, you look at Derek Carr's best seasons. It's when he had Amari Cooper in 2015 and 16. Before you know, There were points where when Derek Carr has that wide receiver one or he has a little bit more of an aggressive mentality where the big-time throw percentage is through the roof and he is a fantastic quarterback. So now, going back to having – now he's got the best receiver in the NFL in Devontae Adams, his old buddy in that connection. We're going to see the best Derek Carr. You got Josh McDaniels tying it all together. Adams coming in, bring in Chandler Jones. A lot of exciting players in Vegas, but also it's going to start in the pass game in Las Vegas. So, look, it's a tough AFC West, but the Raiders are coming out of it, man. They're going to come out of it. And they're going to the Super Bowl this year. Super Bowl. Going to the Super Bowl. As are the Los Angeles Chargers, their division rival. And look, this is, this is pretty simple. You got Justin Herbert who's yeah. already established himself as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. We saw it last year, and even though they didn't make the playoffs, and they had their heartbreak against the Raiders last year, mm-hmm. Brandon Staley, I think, has them moving in the right direction. Uh, we have a rule before you get into this, Trevor. Mm-hmm. We, have a, we have a very specific rule here on the PFF NFL podcast. There's a, there's a player on the Chargers who happens to be number 33, defensive side of the ball. We are not to say his name here. He is, he is referred to as just the player. When we say his name, um, the player seems to come down injured, right? He seems to have some injury issues every time people rave about how good the player is, number 33. So please refrain from the name that's on his jersey. It's the player, number 33, do-it-all safety. But when you have that guy and you add Khalil Mack, a lot of excitement for the Chargers this year. Well, he's not number 33 anymore. And he, he's now number three, right? He's three. Is that he's what he three. is? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's three. The he's player three. number three. We got a whole new Play, stick here. Player, player number three here. But you're catching, you're catching what we're talking about here. I just wanted I do, to make I sure. Do. And I, I won't mention him. He's one of the greatest football players in the world, and I, I will not mention him because we'd be sitting um, there at OTAs and be like, oh, you, know, you got, you know, somebody's down, non-contact injury at OTAs or something. We don't want yeah, that to do, happen. We do not want that. No doubt about it. Uh, the main reason for optimism is without a doubt, Justin Herbert. Uh, there's a good chance that this guy could lead the league in passing this year. You know, he was very close to it last year at over 5,000 yards, but you got Keenan Allen, you got Mike Williams. Um, you know, you have Austin Eckler, who you hope hope is healthy the entire season. you got a decent tight end room. It's something else that I love. And really, if I'm pinpointing something, of course, the defensive additions, you're getting J.C. Jackson, you're getting Khalil Mack. Obviously, those are huge for you. I think the investments that they have made in the offensive line have been paramount. You know, Brandon Staley takes over, and they look at a unit where the offensive line was a crippling unit for this team. And within the span of two years, they have now Rayshon 
Slater, who's one of the best young offensive tackles in the game playing at left tackle. They've got Corey Lindsley. They've got Zion Johnson, who they went and they drafted in the first round. They've got Matt Filer as well. Like these dudes are good. And within the, within the span of two short years, they have retooled and reshaped their offensive line to make it younger and more talented at the same time. And I think that those two things are very tough to do, especially when you're in a winning window and you want to dedicate a lot of your resources to winning right now. And I just, I can't, I can't say enough about what they have done along the offensive line and how it's going to help Justin Herbert. Would you say they've got some dogs on the offensive line? Yeah, I was, dogs. I was not, I was not sure if you could hear my dog. I don't really know what he's barking at actually, <laughs> because I'm, I'm literally looking out the front window right now and there is no one there. He's so, a Chargers fan. I don't know. He he's, just wanted to get into the podcast, I guess. He's, he's optimistic you know, he about the, the Chargers, which is which is smart. I, I'm with you. The, the way they've reshaped the offensive line is awesome, and I think they've they, they've done that on the defensive line as well. You know, adding Khalil Mack to uh, to Joey Bosa, adding guys like Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day, and just more depth up front on that defensive line. So the same way I think they reshaped the offensive line. They've done a good job of that in the trenches on the defensive side of the ball. That's going to help put their defense over the top. I still think Brandon Staley is one of the better defensive minds and play-calling minds. Well, from a decision-making standpoint, you know he's going to be aggressive. You know he's going to maximize possessions for that explosive Chargers offense. So Chargers are making moves this is the year. They're going to the Super Bowl. I'm optimistic about the Chargers every single offseason, so that's not weird for me on this show. I think we all are. The media darling. Every, everybody Chargers, is. Right? The, Charger, every, the media picks the Chargers to go to the Super Bowl every year, and they just let us down. So this is the year that they don't. This is the year. This is the year the Chargers are Super Bowl bound, as are the Los Angeles Rams across town. I mean, they're, they're already coming off a of Super Bowl. They've already justified right. the Matthew Stafford trade. Right. You know, like who won night one of the draft? The Rams. Because they didn't have a pick, and the pick that they had led to a Super Bowl already. So they won. They've already won the draft, and uh, they're still a really good team headed into next year. So they're going to repeat. They got the core, right? I mean, you, you've, you've got Matthew Stafford. You've got Jalen Ramsey. You've got Aaron Donald, right? They've already showed that those pieces, those core guys can not just get you to a Super Bowl, but win it. And I think that, yeah, there was a lot of, I don't want to say risk with trading for Matthew Stafford because I think that it was an upgrade no matter how you slice it, but you know, trading Jared Goff and giving up the two first round picks and trading off, shipping off draft picks like they have over the last couple of years, that part is risky. I mean, you're really kicking the, the can down the road when it comes to building the heart and that practice squad and those third string guys who become second string guys and first string guys, right? You are really holding yourself back from having kind of like a healthy process, if you will by doing what the Los Angeles Rams are doing, but they won the Super Bowl. It was worth it. The risks that they took are worth it, and they still have that core there, so they're still within that winning window. So I think that there's plenty of reason to be optimistic because they do have the ring on their finger. They currently have the Lombardi Trophy, and with those guys still there, I think you can plug the pieces to keep that winning window open and potentially make another run again this year. I think realistically, though, that is all a reason for optimism, right? They're not just – because you're mentioning risk, which is true – but I don't, I don't think they're being careless, right? I mean, they've put thought into this. They've put thought into giving up late first-round picks in exchange for NFL players. They've put thought but it, into but it, their But it looks, it looks a lot different when you don't win, Oh, right? of course. I mean, like, I mean let's, yes. Let's say, let's say they would have – let's say they, they face Tampa, and let's say they just even, like, lose to Tampa. Then all of a sudden you go, like, 
okay, what do we have, like one more year before we might have to start breaking up a little bit of this? And, and you gave up a second and a third for Vaughn right. for it, half it, a year of Vaughn right. Miller. It just it yeah. looks different without that ring. But to your point, like, you know what? It, they weren't reckless, but it would still be very hard to look at the decision makers who made those decisions. And even if the process was down, be as okay with it as they can be now if we know that they're going to – crash and burn at some point i just don't think it's this year no matter the results for the rams i just i like that their process is different you know i I think that there's more to just giving up those top round draft picks i think there's they draft in volume rounds three through seven they find players rounds three through seven they have a process that's worked for them and that they're going to stick with it and i think rams fans should be excited about that as well obviously the super bowl obviously the fact that they they took stafford and his uh, above average career and you know bumped him up to Super Bowl champion and all that stuff but the Rams and uh you know Sean McVay and you know the entire organization they've got plan you know they have a, a way of doing things that I think has been proven to be uh to be successful so, and it's going to continue you know the Rams are going right back to the Super Bowl I don't know if they'll play the Bengals again but they'll probably play the Dolphins right now right of course so the Dolphins yeah, yeah. are next and uh this is simple for me you get the fastest team in the NFL. That's Ooh, it. Speed, baby. Man. Speed to burn in Miami with Mike McDaniel calling the plays here. God, they got Tyree Kill. They got Jalen Waddell. They got Raheem Mostert. They got Mike Kosicki, who's a crazy athlete at tight end. They, they brought in Cedric Wilson. Yeah. This team is fast, man. This team is – my, my reason for optimism is the newcomers. You know, whether it's Mike McDaniel whether it's Tyree Kill or whether it's Teron Armstead. The newcomers on this team, and I think, you know, when you look at who they drafted as well, they're picking much later in the draft, and so they get Channing Tindall. That's their first overall selection. But, again, it goes to the speed profile of what they're kind of adding there. I I like a lot of the newcomers and what they were able to do this past offseason. It was, again, it was a really weird season where it was, you know, in the tanks for Miami, and then they came storming back. And, okay, now you move on from Brian Flores. He's no longer there. What are you going to do? And they have – steered that ship and those on the, those those treacherous waters if you will with the imbalance of okay if we don't handle this right things could get real bad in Miami and I think that they handled it in a really great way brought it helped out the coaching staff uh bringing in Mike McDaniel and then two major difference makers at areas that they definitely needed to improve at offensive line and then at wide receiver with with Tyree Kill so I I, I do I, I think newcomers is the big reason why you're already liking what you see from Miami which has a really good roster as well everything got better in Miami right you, you got faster but also better at receiver the offensive line goes from one of the worst to they'll I think they'll at least be middle of the pack anchored by Teron Armstead at left tackle you have one of the better secondaries in the NFL and they had a sneaky good defensive line last year Christian Wilkins broke out uh, on the interior Uh, Emmanuel Ogba comes back here's the other sneaky good player Melvin Ingram coming in and you know he's kind of like yeah he's one of those players where I'm like man I know it's exciting to invest 20 million dollars in edge rushers and in big names and the Khalil Max and Chandler Jones of the world or whatever but Melvin Ingram can come in for a fraction of the price and still play you know, when he's out there on the field, he is he's at, you know, he's a top 12 to 15 edge defender in the, in the NFL. At least that's how he's played the last couple of years. So um, a lot of exciting things in Miami. Uh, it, I know it's the optimism show, Trevor, but I I think I've been saying our, our listeners know where I'm going mm. with this. But I think the biggest storyline in the NFL this year, this offseason is what, you know, wide receiver ones being on the move. 
and seeing the impact that they, that they made in their old places and how they're going to make an impact in a new place and how it's going to affect where they left, right? So we've got Tyreek going from elite Patrick Mahomes to Miami, where two is trying to be the guy in year three. You have A.J. Brown going from rejuvenating Ryan Tannehill's career to Philadelphia, and you have Devontae Adams, who we talked about, going from elite Aaron Rodgers to, hey, can we turn Derek Carr into that guy? So I, I think that is the story to watch, right? This impact of this wide receiver one when they're leaving – you know, productive quarterbacks go into these other quarterbacks who are all trying to take the next step. And can Tyreek help Tua take the next step? I mean, on this show, we're saying absolutely. It's going to take it to the Super Bowl. But, you know, realistically, this is just an amazing story this offseason that we're going to see the impact of these receivers and what they do for quarterbacks. Yep. No, I think that that's a really good point. Uh, We're seeing a lot of money and a lot of high draft picks be placed on these wide receivers, these pass catchers, these these passing weapons, if you will. And this offseason, there was a ton of movement for them, whether it was financially straight up with money or with draft picks involved as well. And judging what happens to the offenses that they left and what also happens to the offenses that they went to will be a huge gauge for did we get the value right here? Right. Are we valuing wide receivers correctly or were we overpaying a little bit? Do we need to kind of tone it down a little bit here? And that might go into what you see in future trades and future contracts and things like that. Receivers starting to make mid-tier quarterback money Crazy. is a massive story this offseason. Yes. And the Dolphins going to the Super Bowl is going to prove that it's worth it. Uh, Minnesota Vikings. They're next. Also Super Bowl bound here in the NFC North. Kwesi comes in. I'm still optimistic about what he brings to the table. And I think just their foundation of having Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins chucking it around. Uh, Rick Spielman was on the show the other day, by the way. Very insightful breakdown. Former Vikings GM for 16 years. And he was going through, hey, Cousins used to not be able to win the big one. right? That was, that was the, the knock on him. And I know they didn't win last year. But he's starting to win some of those games in the fourth quarter. He's starting to put Mm -hmm. the team in position to win. And this is the year Cousins and the Vikings over the top, right to the Super Bowl. Uh, You know, if there's going to be, if they're going to do it, if they're going to get there, they're going to do it through Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson had an unbelievable rookie season, phenomenal performance, being able to step in right away in that Minnesota offense. And he followed it up with an even better year, sophomore year. I mean, he is just, he has already established himself as one of the best route runners in the NFL, one of the best wide receivers in the game, not just for his age. I'm talking at all. I mean, what he's able to do with that offense is incredible. You you hope that a fully healthy Adam Thielen, even with him getting up there in age as well, can produce a top five wide receiver duo for this team. Dalvin Cook, when he is healthy, he is an electric playmaker out of the backfield. And so you've got really nice offensive weapons. And you mentioned, okay, maybe there's a chance that Kirk Cousins can get on a run here this year and win you a handful of big games. And if that's the case... You, know, you like the talent on defense. I know that it's getting up there in age. I know that this is kind of closing the winning window for this defensive group, but there's a lot of guys that you like that are still there. So offense has players, defense has players. It's just about them coming together, staying healthy, and playing as best as they can. And if they do, I think they're, they've got the recipe of a really good football team. I think the foundation of their passing game is going to be good. Plus Kevin O'Connell coming in, right? It's going to be less, you know, even Spielman on the show last week. He's like, hey, we were a run first team. We were a two tight end team, two receiver team, and we were all about running the ball. And Kevin O'Connell coming from the Rams, sure, they like to run the ball, and they've had Todd Gurley there throughout the years and all that stuff. But, you know, when Stafford took over, you know, they're 
they were past first team, uh, the Rams. Uh, they did run the ball a little bit more than we would have liked at certain times, but I think the Vikings are going to rely on their on their weapons, and I think that foundation is strong. I like that Kwesi started building back to front with Lewis Seen and Andrew Booth in the secondary, a couple of those top picks. So everything's moving in the right direction in Minnesota, and they're going straight to the Super Bowl, straight representing the Super NFC Bowl. this year. Yep. Also going to the Super Bowl is the New England Patriots. That's right. They're going to do it. Bill Belichick going back. Mac Jones, year two. Uh, look, OTA hype. You know, if, if Trevor Lawrence is going to be a year two MVP, why not Mac Jones, year two MVP candidate? Sure. Right? I mean, he's, he's yeah, more confident. Uh, slimmed down a little bit. Well, you like that. Less of a dad bod this year right. for Mac Jones. There's a lot of reasons for optimism in New England. The number one optimism that I have for the New England Patriots is Bill Belichick is still your head coach. There you go. And you know what? That's almost all I got. Like I think that Mac Jones was okay last year. I think that I think that people were kind of blowing his uh, rookie season up a little bit more than it needed to be. Like he was he was good. He was fine. I'm not trying to say like he was terrible, but I mean don't don't act like he was kind of the the second coming of Tom Brady there. So I wanted to temper expectations. Of course, this year, as you mentioned, he's going to take the second year leap. He's going to win MVP. He's going to win. Yeah. But by the way, stark contrast between my last guest was uh, on Thursday, Greg Rosenthal. Uh, Monday. What's today? Today's Thursday. On yeah. Monday, we had Greg Rosenthal from around the NFL. Uh, Mac Jones apologist. So he went in on oh. Mac Jones being underrated oh. last year as a rookie. You I, know. Thought, I thought Mac Jones was good, but I, I, I didn't. I wasn't. I, I didn't think that he was like fantastic, phenomenal, guaranteed to have an even better second year. We will see. I hope that he does, of course. Yeah. But look, Bill Belichick is the reason why you've got to have faith in this team because when you look at this roster up and down, it's not great. So maybe, maybe. Bill Belichick is is saving some of his best acts, his best performances as a coach for the end for near the end of his career, taking this New England Patriots team to the Super Bowl uh, because he is, I think, the greatest NFL head coach of all time. And so, anytime you got the the, the goat at head coach, got a reason to believe that you can make the playoffs and, of course, be uh, be a Super Bowl team. I have to say, I'm so I'm not as down on the roster. You know, I think I think defensively, it's not as flashy as it was last year, and. Um, I, when I look at the offense, I, I look at the offensive line as a unit, and I look at the playmakers basically as a unit. And again, the flash isn't necessarily there for the Patriots, but the depth at playmaker, right, at receiver and tight end, there's a lot of depth there with Devontae Parker. Jacoby Myers is a good two or three, as is Kendrick Bourne, as is Nelson Aguilar, who bounced back this year. It's just a whole bunch of twos and threes. But when you add it up and you have two tight ends and Hunter Henry and John New Smith, it's not bad. And a deep group of running backs and a solid offensive line as always. So there's no flash. You know, I'm, I'm a, I, I like the flash. I'm attracted to the to speed and wide receiver ones. And as much as I'm saying that's the story, give me one of those dudes. He's that's going to turn around my offense. I do think the Patriots have some depth across the board as far as receivers, tight ends. Uh, Cole Strange comes in. He does. He as uh, for a first round pick, Cole Strange. By the way, first round pick, Cole Strange is there. No yeah. comments. It's the optimism show. Of course, um, of course, yes, it is. I think more of the questions are actually on the defensive side of the ball, where you, you're, you're losing J.C. Jackson, and that. But you, you're saying Belichick, right? I think he's going to transform this defense and say, look, we're not going to play as much man coverage as we have in the past. We might not have. We might not be equipped for that. He's going to adjust the defense to what they do well in New England. So it's going to be Bill Belichick's best coaching effort on the way to the Super Bowl. There it is. This year, New England Patriots. Um, perhaps playing the New Orleans Saints 
in the Super Bowl, who also should be really optimistic this season. Jameis comes back, uh, you know, even with Dennis Allen taking over at, at head coach. You know, addition by subtraction without Sean Payton. Maybe Dennis Allen's been held down as defensive coordinator, and he's been been the best head coach in New Orleans the last couple years, and they're going to prove it this year. Uh, The last time that Jameis Winston was a starter for a full season, Steve, he threw for over 5,000 yards and 33 touchdowns with an 8.2 yards per attempt average. We're not going to bring up the fact that he threw 30 interceptions. We're not going to do that here on this show. But when you look at the playmakers that Jameis has – with this New Orleans team. You got Michael Thomas, who, from what I was told, is not as disgruntled as he previously was. So he should be back and on the field this year, hopefully fully healthy. You add Chris Olave. You add Jarvis Landry as well. The wide receiver group already looking way better than last year. Offensive line, Ryan Ramchick's there. Yes, you are replacing Toronto Armstead, which is a big loss. But, you know, Andres Peters' guard is good. Eric McCoy at the center spot is good. Uh, Cesar Ruiz has not been great. But maybe he'll have the best year of his career. You're plugging in Trevor Penning. You're hoping that he can step in right away uh, from the from the film that we saw at Northern Iowa. There's reason to think that this offense can at least score a ton of points, right? How, how, how well are they going to take care of the ball i'm not so sure but i think that any given sunday this team can light up a scoreboard because that is Jameis winston's identity that's the playmakers that i think are coming back that they're going to put around him and i think the offensive line at least has the potential to be a really good unit in front of him so you get alvin kamara back as well i think that him as a playmaker um speaks for itself certainly what he does as a ball carrier in the backfield as well as a receiver right he's he's one of the best weapons in the game at that and so i think the biggest reason for optimism if you're the saints is you can put up points in an age where offense is king you have the potential to be one of the highest scoring offenses in the nfl if things all click together and for the seventh straight year i'm going to predict a Jameis winston breakout because wow. Well, here's the wait, thing. Did, wait, did you did you count 2019 as a breakout? The 30 and 30 year? Did you count? Yeah, as a breakout I mean that was year? they're all breakouts. No, I mean that was okay. that okay. wasn't. Right. It was kind of a breakout. I mean, look, he threw for 5,000 yards and 33 touchdowns. Here's, here's the theory on it, right? Carson Palmer's 2015 season, Cam Newton's 2015 season, Eli mm-hmm. Manning 2011 and 12, uh, 11, of course, the Super Bowl run. You've got these inconsistent quarterbacks who never had great seasons, who just out of nowhere had great seasons, and they all, but they all have similar profiles. They are aggressive downfield throwers where in one year or two years – it all kind of went right. Like, it all went right for Carson Palmer. He kind of mm-hmm. cut back on some of the mistakes, but the greatness show, uh, showed out, as did Cam Newton for just one year, his MVP year, because it wasn't in line with the rest of his stuff. I think Jameis has that in him, right? He has that level, the aggressiveness, the downfield throwing. That's essentially what I've been predicting for years. So this is the year. This is the of year course. for Jameis. Yep. You know, like 1998 Vinny Testaverde making the run. He's, he's a lot of good Vinny Testaverde comps here for, the, for Jameis Winston. You get the touchdowns, you get the interceptions, and then, you know, maybe you put it together in the middle toward the end of your career. Jameis is going to make – he's going to be an MVP candidate this year. But I also like the defense. I like the addition of Tyron Matthew on the back. He's coming home. You got Marshawn yeah. Lattimore. This is one of the better secondaries. You still have a pretty good pass rush led by Cameron Jordan and Marcus Davenport. So I'm liking the Saints making the Super Bowl. Dennis Allen at head coach, strong defense, explosive potential offense, like you said, Jameis MVP candidate. That's the Saints this year. Let's go to New York. The Giants and the Jets, they're next up. But starting with the Giants, it seems like both New York teams crushed round one of the draft. 
but yeah Brian Dable is is definitely the reason why we're feeling pretty good about the Giants moving forward. Yeah, he ha- he has to. I mean, when you look at what he was able to do with Josh Allen and how he was able to take his game to the next level, even what he was able to do when he was at Alabama, right? And and, and um, being a quarterback slash, he was the offense coordinator, right? I think he was the offense coordinator. I don't remember if he was like an analyst or a coordinator. I can't remember. But what he was able to do when he was at Alabama, he had success there. He immediately translated that over to what he was able to do in Buffalo, transforming Josh Allen's game, making the most out of his potential. And I think that's the important part right it's not that he's just like taking these quarterbacks and kind of like making them his own he looked at Josh Allen and and we mentioned this when we talked about the Bills Allen always had the high potential but he was nowhere close to achieving it because he was so chaotic he was so reckless it's almost like he couldn't hone in his own power Brian Dable helped him hone in that power and have full control over it get the most out of his potential exactly what Josh Allen is good at the best of his game that is what you are hoping for with Daniel Jones. I get it that they did not sign the fifth-year option to him. He's playing on a one-year deal this year, but that's not to say that he is terrible and that he's not going to be anything and that the second contract is totally out of the cards for him. I think with Brian Dable getting to step in, there's a good chance that you are going to see the best of Daniel Jones in the NFL this upcoming year. You're hoping the Saquon is back more towards his Saquon form, fully healthy as well. Love the newcomers and what they were able to do this past draft. I thought that... um, uh, I thought that oh shoot what Joe Shane Joe Shane I thought that he did an incredible job in his first uh, his first in as a GM with his first draft as a full time GM so love what the New York Giants are doing how they're building the team and what their outlook is for the most important position in Daniel Jones this upcoming year yeah I mean it de- I think it definitely starts with Dayball right I mean you look at how much how much credit does Dayball deserve right? you know, who deserves all the credit for Josh Allen but either way. It is Josh Allen, as you mentioned earlier on the show, is one of the biggest turnarounds we've ever seen at the quarterback position, both from college to the NFL, but even within the NFL. And Dayball was a big part of that. So we're either going to get that out of Daniel Jones or whoever the next quarterback is in the future. Dayball gets to have his hands on him and you know perhaps develop as well. I like. I think the offensive line's moving in the right direction. Andrew Thomas had a breakout year last year. You bring yeah, in Evan yeah. Neal, Mark Lewinsky yep. comes in from Indianapolis, so the line won't be as big of a disaster as it's been. I also look at this group of receivers and it's like, all right, Kenny Galladay, he'll bounce back, right? Kenny, Kenny Galladay is going to be back. Kadarius Tony, at least for one game, looked like a legend against the uh, Dallas Cowboys and the potential that he had. Add Wandell Robinson in, Darius Slayton's a good deep threat, Sterling Shepard in the slot. They've got some playmakers too. So I think there's, there's stuff to like on paper from the Giants, but I think the reason for optimism is the new regime um, from top to bottom, right? General manager Shane, head coach Dable, and they are going to move this team in the right direction after they were a little stagnant these last few years, we'll say. Um, same thing with and the Giants, Super Bowl bound, of course. They're going, to, they're going to make a run here this year. And maybe they'll, have, they'll be playing the Jets. Man, Giants, Jets, Super Bowl. Because Zach Wilson's in year two, and we know that year two quarterbacks all become MVP candidates. Of course. Yes. So that's what Zach Wilson's going to do. But realistically, the Jets, I think for a couple of years now, are starting to tick the boxes at getting better from a position group standpoint. They started with the offensive line. We're seeing it in the secondary. We're seeing it at receiver. And all these position groups are getting better with the Jets. What's not to love? What's not to believe in with what the New York Jets are doing? 
Honestly, like, like I get it. I, I'm, I'm not saying that they're the best team in the NFL, but they drafted a young, very talented quarterback in Zach Wilson. They're surrounding him with great offensive weapons in Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. They signed CJ Uzama, right? Like they drafted Jeremy Rucker. The offensive line's getting better. They're hoping that Makai Becton bounces back and is fully healthy this upcoming year. And if you look at that, you've got Vera Tucker as well. They signed Lake Tomlinson. They like George Fant as well. Like, I think the offense, they invest a high pick in Brees Hall because they want the running game to be what it needs to be as well. You flip over to the defensive side, they've still got Quinn and Williams, right? They draft Sauce Garner. They 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 sign uh, Jordan Whitehead. They've got DJ Reed at, at the other cornerback spot. And so, like, this roster has consistently over the last couple of years just gotten better, added more talent at some really great positions. Robert Sala, I think, is is a is a coach that a lot of these guys really believe in. A lot of people have some really great things to say about him. Now, of course, that he's got to he's got to translate that into wins and losses, right? They've got to keep ascending up the win loss uh, table, if you will. But there is plenty of reason, especially for the realistic expectations of where the Jets are in their rebuild, to think that they are going up, they are ascending in almost every single area you would want them to. And so that's why I think that even if it might not be they're the best team in the NFL yet, they are going in a great direction. Of course, because of this show, we believe that they're going to win the Super Bowl. But you got to be excited about Zach Wilson. You got to be excited about the offensive line, his weapons, and then the youth on defense, how that's all kind of coming together as well. Yeah, I think for me, looking at the Jets and what Joe Douglas has done there is that they've acquired players in different ways, right? They've spent a little bit in free agency. I think they've done a nice job drafting. I think they've found players that fit. Uh, they run the Shanahan scheme on, you know, on, on the offensive side of the ball. So you bring in a Lakin Tomlinson who has had his best, uh, the best parts of his career playing guard you know, for Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. So there's just, I, I just think there's a lot of continuity in their team-building effort, right? It's, it's, they've gone through this roster, which was one of the worst in the league. I think they've systematically made it better. They've dabbled in free agency. They've been aggressive in the draft when needed, drafted volume when needed. They do have the three first-round picks this year that I think, you know, say what you want about trading up and all that stuff, but they're coming out of the draft with three legit players with Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson and Jermaine Johnson late first, which is a great place to take him. So I just love the way they've done it all. Of course, it all comes down to Zach Wilson's development here. Um, All joking aside, you know, he's got to get much better than he was last year. But sure. again, a really talented quarterback coming out of BYU um, who was – it was really weird, Trevor, last year. Like, we do shows in August during the preseason, right? And you want to have stuff to talk about. And when you're coming out of the preseason last year, it's like, man, Zach Wilson looks great. How does he look so good in the preseason and so lost during the season? I haven't seen too many quarterbacks with that big of a difference. Um but I'm almost like I'm almost leaning on like at least we've seen him do it on an NFL football field a little bit and look comfortable and all that stuff. So maybe just all the pieces around him, year two, that comfort level is gonna you know gonna increase and we're gonna see a lot better Zach Wilson this year. But uh, I'm loving a lot of what the Jets are doing, Super Bowl bound or not. You know, it's it, I think it's an exciting time for the Jets because they're making their smart front office that I think they're making a lot of good moves here in New York. I agree. I agree. Also, a lot of good moves in Philadelphia, man. I mean, yes. in, I, I've made the point, if if there was one player, like who's your favorite player in the draft? Like who's, who's the guy in the draft that you want to come away with in round one? It was A.J. Brown. That's the guy I want the most. Of all the teams that came away with football players on night one of the draft, I want A.J. Brown and his $25 million a year, dollar a year contract. I'm fine with that. I think the Eagles crushed it after a quiet offseason. They, they crushed it. 
draft night, and all of a sudden you're looking at like, man, this team, this team's in good shape here heading into 2022. There is a reason to believe that Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown could make up a top five wide receiver duo in the NFL this upcoming year. I felt like Devontae Smith was definitely underutilized last year year and that's when he should have been almost force fed the ball when you looked at their offensive weapons on that team I get that they were they were a little bit more run heavy of course just with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback but now that you've got AJ Brown I mean Devontae Smith had so much left to in the tank to provide this team and when you kind of throw him next to now AJ Brown I think that the the sky is the limit basically however much the Philadelphia Eagles want to pass the ball with Jalen Hurts they're going to have the freedom to do with those two guys at wide receiver and then Dallas Goddard as well at tight end so a a reason why you want to be optimistic is because if you are in any way in on Jalen Hurts if you think that he is the guy in Philadelphia or just if you believe that he can win you a handful of games maybe make a playoff run for you you've got to love what they have done to set things up around him well however like i said however much they want to get jalen hurts involved or emphasized with the passing game whatever the split is going to be 60 40 55 45 50 50 whatever it is however passengers they want to get they've got the weapons to be able to do it now of course i love the defensive additions as well i love jordan davis i love nicobe dean kind of love what they're doing there as well uh it took them long enough to invest in linebacker but uh they got lucky getting to Kobe Dean where they did in the third round. And so it's funny how things work out for them. But I think the Philadelphia Eagles, without a doubt, going in the right direction. If Jalen Hurts has more in the tank to be a franchise quarterback, they're setting up the offense for him to be able to realize that, show that, see it in the stats and in the win column as well. So I think that there's there really is. There's a lot of things to be excited about in Philadelphia. And honestly, Nick Sirianni, I think really, once he started to get his feet wet, once he started to get confident, you liked what you saw down the stretch from him as a head coach. So I'm excited to see what he's got this year as well. Yeah, that offense adjusted to Jalen Hurts last year, and, and they built around the run game right around week six or seven. And when you have a, a runner as good as Jalen Hurts, it's a good foundation, right? It's a good foundation to be able to win. I, I think in today's NFL, you, you want to be able to win with the run game when it presents itself, win with the pass game more often than not. And But you got to have those options. And I think the Eagles are starting to have those options. And they're at least, they'll learn a lot about Jalen Hurts now that you have an A.J. Brown there to pair with Devontae Smith. Um, and you still have Dallas Goddard there. I mean, you've got a good group. Just unit-wise, again, unit by unit, it is solid. But the other shrewd move they make is waiting for James Bradbury to get released, and all of a sudden you pick up James Bradbury and you have him and Darius right. Slay Huge. as your starting corners, right? It's like, look, I, I love free agency. We love talking about it in March, but the Eagles signed, what, one player for you know the first three weeks of free agency, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we're going to pick up James Bradbury after the draft um, and not lose you know future draft picks and all that stuff and get him on the cheap. And so it's just good moves, man. It's just a lot of good moves by the Philadelphia Eagles. So, uh, look, they're going to go back to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2017. Uh, but realistically, I just think they've done a lot of good things. You still have first contract Jalen Hurts. You'll learn a lot about him this year and see if he's your guy going forward. But they've put some pieces in place to, uh, to figure that out. All right, across the state, Pittsburgh Steelers, man. Reasons for optimism in Pittsburgh. What do we got? Uh, you tell me the last time Mike Tomlin had a record below 500. They're at least going to be 500. Never. It's never happened. He's never been below 500. He's one of the best head coaches in the NFL, no question about it. He's one of the best head coaches of all time. His record speaks for itself in that regard, and it just seems like no matter 
what the roster is around him. Mike Tomlin is elevating things to a play. And I, I know it's not just him. I know it's the staff around him, and I know there's a lot of things that go into this, but the Steelers are just so consistently good. Have they always realized what the potential could be of the roster that they have? No, but again, it, it, it's, it's hard for every team to be able to say that they do that because it, it is a game where any team can win any week. And especially when you get into the playoffs, it's a situation where a single elimination and, and the ball can go bounce the wrong way. But in a game where there is a lot of luck involved, whether it's how the ball bounces or the health of the team or whatever you're going through with players and things like that. Mike Tomlin has always been somebody who can steady the ship, can get so much out of his guys, can get so much out of his roster, make some really great decisions. So the reason why you believe in the Pittsburgh Steelers, even though it's a younger group, especially on the offensive side of the ball, they're still trying to figure things out. They're moving on from Roethlisberger. Kenny Pickett is, is, is the guy that they're going to plug and play in there. You have to have faith in Tomlin. I mean, you just do because he's got the track record to prove it. So if there's any reason to really believe in this Pittsburgh Steelers team, it's a ton of talent on the defense side of the football. They still got a lot of really big names, Cam Hayward, uh, TJ Watt, Mika Fitzpatrick, a lot of guys that could be big, big time uh, contributors there. Stephon Tuitt obviously retired uh, this week. And so that's kind of uh, something that they're going to have to adjust to, but the defense is still good. The defense is still talented. They have guys on offense that you like, but I think you just got to have faith that Tomlin's going to make sure that he gets the most out of these guys, especially uh, to get to at least a 500 record. That's it? They're just going to be 500? They're just going to be 500? No, no, no. I said at least. (laughs) At least. least, We know that's the baseline. Look, they did it with – I think the quarterback play might be better this year, whether it's Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky. No matter who's the starting quarterback, it's probably going to be better than what Big Ben was last year. I I said that Pickett Pickett was going to be the guy no matter what, but that's not true. No matter who it is, I think they'll probably be better. You're right, though. Tomlin brings this baseline, right? He does bring this baseline – uh, it's going to be a good football team. You're you're going to maximize what they can do. I think you know because the talent hasn't been as good. I think the last couple of years as it was at other times with Mike Tomlin. But even when they had Duck Hodges at quarterback and Mason Rudolph, I and mean, they still found a way to win games. So they're going to find a way to win games in Pittsburgh. You got T.J. Watt, who you know broke the sack record, best defensive player in football. There you go, Steelers fans. Optimism in Pittsburgh. They made the offensive line a little bit better. I, I like their playmakers, man. I love what they've done at receiver with Deontay Johnson and and Chase Claypool. I don't know how many of their targets are going to be stolen by George Pickens and Calvin Austin, but they've added some talents there. They are doing what they can. Uh, Pat Fryermuth's a good solid tight end, but they're doing what they can to make uh, Trubisky and then eventually Kenny Pickett look good in the pass game. So liking what the Steelers are doing from that standpoint. And uh, T.J. Watt, defensive player of the year, is going to lead them to the Super Bowl this year. Super Bowl-bound Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot of optimism there. Mm-hmm. All right, we've only got five teams left. We've been cranking it out, man. It's a grind, but we got five teams left I to be optimistic it. about. San Francisco 49ers, they're next on the, on, the, uh, on the list here. Look, the reason why you want to be optimistic is the big boys are still here, right? I think the important one was Debo Samuel, whether or not that he was going to be off the team. We're not sure. Uh, obviously, there's some months to go between now and week one of the regular season, but he is still on the team. You've got Trent Williams still, who was one of the most valuable players in the entire NFL with how dominant he was last year. When you look at our war rank, war ratings and uh, just the overall PFF grade, it's just unbelievable, unthinkable how good Trent Williams was last year. They still have George Kittle. Shoot, they even still have Jimmy Garoppolo, right? And I'm I mean, we don't know if he's going to be the starting quarterback, but they got him. You got Nick Bosa. You got Arik Armstead. You got Fred Warner. Like, the, the guys that they have built 
as the core players on this team on both sides of the ball are still there. Kyle Shanahan is still the head coach. and He's still one of the best head coaches in the NFL. You've got the Miko Ryans, the defensive coordinator. You're wondering if he was going to get a head coaching gig this past offseason, but he remains the defensive coordinator, which I think is huge. So I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about the 49ers. A lot of the roster is already in place, a proven roster that knows how to win, not just in the regular season, but also in the playoffs. The big question mark is just Trey Lance. And there's a lot of people who love Trey Lance when he was coming out of, uh, of North Dakota State. And so if he can really step in right away, take that time since he's been drafted and really put it onto the field to kind of catch fire early on in the season or late, you know, midway through the season, whenever it is that he's going to become the starter. If you believe that you're going to see a lot of those highs from his days in college in the NFL early on in his first year as a starter – the rest of the roster is there to compete and potentially take them over the le- the hump to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, Trey Lance, year two quarterback. but Of course, yeah, MVP. MVP for Trey Lance. Here's the thing. There's been a lot of – I mean, Patrick Mahomes sat. You know, we've said Carson Palmer sat. Like, we've seen a lot of quarterbacks sit in year one and then come out and, and, and play and play well. And I think there's a chance that Trey Lance is that guy. I also think, you know, when they drafted him, I was like, man, this is – this is Shanahan's ability to take the run game that's already great and just make it that much better, right? You add the quarterback element to it. Shanahan's already a master at winning the box count, winning with angles, winning with creativity, and then you add a running quarterback to the mix so the Niners can just find new ways to win. And then you mentioned all the stars that they still have there, right? They still have, uh, you know, when you're watching the 49ers play, Jimmy Garoppolo had his ups and downs, but it was like, man, he'll, he'll, for the most part, he's going to get the ball to his playmakers, and it's George Kittle and Debo and Ayuk and all these unique athletes, right? They have unique athletes all over the field. And if Trey Lance is the guy over Jimmy Garoppolo this year, it's another unique athlete. Like, go cover and go, you know, go tackle these guys in space in San Francisco. So I think there's, there's a lot of excitement about what they can do offensively. And then you mentioned D'Amico Ryan's defensively. I always feel underwhelmed by the Niners' defensive backfield, say. It, but they find a way to be successful year. Uh, the last couple of years in particular, I think Ryan's has done a really good job of maximizing that talent. So yeah. um, realistically, there is a lot to be excited about with San Francisco. And if Trey Lance is legit in year two, doesn't have to be perfect, but you know, adds big playability adds more to the run game the Niners are going to be right back in the mix in Super Bowl bound in San of Francisco course. Seattle Seahawks this might be the, this might be the toughest reason for optimism to be honest uh, well, the reason for optimism here, if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan, is that at some point in time, there will be a promo code for you to save on PFF's draft guide, knowing that you have an extra first and second round pick there we go. in the upcoming NFL draft. So that is like my it. big reason for optimism for a team that uh, might not win a lot of football games this upcoming season. But also in the same light that I talked about Brandon Cooks potentially being a fantasy stud for you, if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan and you draft Kenneth Walker, you might be winning your fantasy leagues because Pete Carroll might run that man into the ground if Chris Carson can't come back and if Rashad Penny cannot stay healthy. So I don't know. Uh, I actually like what they did uh, in the draft a decent amount with their first couple of picks. Love Charles Cross as well, that addition that they got there. And so, look, Losing Russell Wilson, there's no way around it. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the Seahawks to be as competitive as they were before. You've got two really great wide receivers in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and so you're hoping that uh, that that you could definitely lean on those guys on the offensive side of the ball. You like Kenneth Walker. You like the new offensive line addition. So I don't know. I, I like a lot of 
what they did with the circumstances they put themselves in, but uh, losing Russell Wilson is tough. So make sure you're uh, looking out for that promo code for the draft guide. Coming you you can start right now with NFL Pod. You can get 25% yeah, off. Go. There might be 50% off at some point in the next year, but you just grab it right now for 25% off using NFL Pod. Look at that. Thank you, Trevor. Uh-huh. Um, look, I know every team's going to go to the Super Bowl this year and all that stuff, but for the Seahawks, if you're a Seahawks fan, I do think the idea of this past draft, right, like seeing uh, a the rebuild with the youth, two new starting tackles, both coming out of the draft, mm-hmm. getting young players again to be excited about. Uh, but also, Pete Carroll. We get to see Pete Carroll ball, man. You know, it's it, addition by subtraction without Russ. Maybe not really, but you don't have the, you don't have the rift. Let Russ cook. You don't have to worry about letting Russ cook, you know? You get to see this is going to be Pete Carroll's team and his stamp whether it's geno smith or drew Locke, if they're going to run the ball like you said kenneth walker is going to get his 400 carries but we get to see pete carroll try to win his way with uh with the younger team and i do think you know, look both of the receivers are legit tyler lockett and dk metcalf no matter who is playing quarterback we saw geno smith put together some good games with those guys on the outside right so um there might be some reasons for optimisms there uh, optimism there but it's a challenging one for Seattle because, you know, I think they're taking a step back this year to try to take steps forward in the future. But they're still going to make a little run to the Super Bowl. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Just a very casual Super Bowl. Casual. Drew Locke, legend. It's going to happen. Uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. Tom Brady's not retired. Next. <laughs> right. I mean, that's that's the entire reason why you uh, why you have optimism in Tampa Bay. Everything kind of fell into place after that. The free agents all agreed to come back to Tampa Bay, even for a little bit less money. Not that any of them took major less money. I think still a lot of them, like Ryan Jensen, Carlton Davis, like those guys definitely got paid as well. But, you know, they're reshaping the roster a little bit. You're bringing in Logan Ryan. You're bringing in Akeem Hicks. You're bringing in a handful of new guys as well. And Dominican Sue's probably out. Uh, Jordan Whitehead obviously signed with the uh, New York Jets. But, the cornerback room, the safety room, it's all still solidified. The linebackers are still there. I think the defensive line is still solid with Joe Tryon, Shoyinka subbing in for Jason Pierre-Paul, who's not going to be on the team or at least doesn't have a contract right now. I fully expect Rob Gronkowski to be back on the team. And, and when you look at the offensive line, man, I mean, it's all still there. You, you somehow get Shaq Mason for a fifth-round pick. You get Ryan Jensen back. You replace now Alex Kappa. Uh, you bring Leonard Fournette back. I mean, it's just – it's it's – it's uh, there, there's no reason to believe that this team cannot compete and potentially win another Super Bowl again. And it all started with Tom Brady being uh, coming out of retirement and kind of shocking the world about that. Is there anything to Bruce Arians being out? Uh, any of the Brady Arians relationship stuff? Is Brady going to have even more power in the offense? You know, Byron Lift- Leftwich is still there, but we definitely saw the offense become a little bit more Brady like. Last yeah. year, there was a lot more early down passing, not as much play action, but you started to see a little bit more of the short passing game show up. So what does that dynamic look like this year? Yeah, and I think that that's natural, right? Look, I, I don't I don't think that this big rift happened between Bruce Arians and Tom Brady that like forced Tom Brady to retire. I don't, I don't think that he went to the Glazers and said, it's me or Bruce Arians. Like, I, I don't think that exists. I think in any work relationship, whenever you're seeing somebody every day, yeah, of course, like some days they're going to rub you the wrong way. And some days you're going to have things that you go, you butt heads at a little bit, but Bruce Arians is is a guy who's always going to shoot it to you straight, but he's also very much a player's coach. Like this dude, yes, he expects a lot out of you. As somebody, I, I, I as somebody who covered Arians closely because I covered him in his first year in Tampa, I really truly saw that he doesn't like he doesn't take any BS. It, 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 it's it's he has a standard that you have to uphold to. 
but he fully listens to his players. It's not like this my way or the highway yeah. BS kind of a thing. And I think that people look at Arians and they see how uh, almost like matter-of-factly he can be and they think it's abrasive and they think the players aren't going to love it. But there is nobody who empowers both his coaches and his players more than Bruce Arians that, that I've ever met in the NFL or been around or covered. So I don't think that it was this, like I said, my way. I like guess either Bruce Arians or Tom Brady. I don't think that was the case. I genuinely believe that Bruce Arians was – interested motivated and the main reason why he stepped away was to champion Todd Bowles I think he looked at Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich not get head coaching jobs and he said you know what screw this I'm going to take the opportunity in my own hand I'm going to step away because I probably would have stepped away next year anyways I'm going to give it off to uh, Todd Bowles while he still has Tom Brady put him in a great spot and I, I genuinely think that that was the reason that he did that I, I, I don't I don't think that there was this big feud behind the scenes that people are trying to kind of drum up. I think that this is the way that it happened. But for the offense, it was always going to be a little bit more Brady than than Byron Leftwich or Bruce Arians because Brady's the best to ever do it, right? And yeah. if you, I think it was, I think it always started as an Arians offense base. Right. That Arians and Byron Leftwich simply said, "Okay, when these kinds of plays don't work." What are the kind of adjustments, the checks, the things like that that you are comfortable with that we can install into what we do so that you're the most comfortable while still pushing the ball down the field? So I think that that's honestly, from everything that I have heard, read, all that stuff from all the people that I know really well who cover things in Tampa, that's how it's always been with the Bucks. The media would never drum up controversy where there isn't any. That would never happen. Oh, yeah, I can't imagine. No, 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 no. As far as optimism goes, I will say Todd Bowles, I thought, did a nice job with the Jets. Which sounds crazy, right? Like he had a four and twelve record, I think, his last season and all that stuff. But I was judging Jets coaches for a while on a curve. They did not have a good roster. Expectations should have been low. Um, and I thought there was a couple of years where Todd Bowles absolutely exceeded expectations. 2015, I believe it was, they made a nice little run with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They exceeded what their roster should have done, I think, under Todd Bowles. So I think I think he has a potential to be a very good head coach. And then I look at this offense and, you know, where things maybe failed last year. You, you, Chris Godwin hurt down the stretch. Right. Antonio Brown has his deal. So all of a sudden you go from, you know, elite group of playmakers to, you know, not nearly as good. So adding Russell Gage helps that depth with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. You mentioned Gronk uh, likely coming back and all that stuff. So um, I think they added the right pieces once again. The right pieces are returning, including Tom Brady coming back out of retirement. All right, two more. Tennessee Titans. Uh, I'll just, I just want to start with this really quick because you went all in on Mike Tomlin being the guy for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've made the point here. I think Vrabel might be the next Mike Tomlin, the next head coach that just gets the job done. And, and yeah. last year was an incredible example of the Titans just rolling through starters and backups and players average fans haven't even heard of, and they have the number one seed in a very good AFC, I think Vrabel is just a really good foundation for what the Tennessee Titans are doing. Four years of Vrabel as a head coach, 9-7, and 9-7, and 11-5, and then 12-5 and five last year. They get the number one overall seed. That's It's pretty crazy, especially considering that last year he didn't have Derrick Henry. And my reason for optimism is that Derrick Henry is still there. And when Derrick Henry is healthy, this Tennessee Titans team is proven that they can get as much as you possibly can out of running your team through your running back and what you do with him and and kind of the value that they had that you have there and the identity that you have there you might be right about Vrabel man I mean if Vrabel can somehow be above 500 with the Titans this year then we are then yeah you basically have to start talking about him like Mike Tomlin because it's Hard to think that losing A.J. Brown and this team currently where it is 
believing that they're going to be better or believing that they're really going to contend for the playoffs. But they've got Henry. They still have Ryan Tannehill. They've got the offensive line. Oh, Saffold's not there anymore, but it's still most of it is there. They're still going to run their identity through Henry, and if they can get it done, man, you're right. we got to tip our hat to, to, to Mike Vrabel. Yeah, they, they did some nice things defensively. You know, They found a way to get pressure, even though they didn't have the best one-on-one edge rushers. They blitzed well. You'd had games where Jeffrey Simmons just took over. The secondary was was good You know, as they stitched it together, anchored by the safeties, Kevin Byard and Imani Hooker. Uh, but again, I, just, I give so much credit to... You know, I think John Robinson, as far as the uh, the depth pieces that they've been able to add, but also Vrabel just keeping it all together. So it's not as flashy of a roster as you as you highlighted there. But again, I think I think the well, staff on, is on good. offense on, on, on offense for sure, not, right? Like I think I, I I didn't give the defense probably as much props as I should have. Like Jeffrey Simmons is a top five interior defensive lineman, an unbelievable defensive lineman. He's coming to his own. He's being a game wrecker. Um, I love Harold Landry. I think Harold Landry is incredibly talented as a pass rusher. You know, you, when you look at the cornerback group, you got Caleb Farley, who if he stays healthy, I think he's really talented. The same thing with Christian Fulton. I love Roger McCreary as well. So I like that draft pick for them there. Elijah Molden was one of my favorite players. And so like you throw same. in Amani Hooker and Kevin Byard, all of a sudden that secondary room, if they stay healthy and achieve their potential could be one of the best in the NFL. Like I, I'm honest with you. Like they could take a massive step forward. That's how talented this unit is. They just got to stay on the field. So offense wise, it does seem like there's reason to be have a little bit of reservations for the Titans, but defensively they should be even better this year than what they were last year. So I wanted to make sure I gave that shout out too. Cause it is, it is an optimistic show. Yeah. We're optimistic and the Titans are making their Super Bowl run and the 32nd team that also could be playing the Titans in the Super Bowl is the Washington Commanders. Mm. Got a new name. Reason for they optimism do. there. That's that's a good starting point. But the Commanders rounding out the show. What's a good reason for optimism in Washington? Oh, what did I write down here? What did I write down for the Commanders? Carson Wentz uh, upgraded the quarterback uh, position. I mean, kind of. Yes. Um, yes. Command- oh, so I wrote down two things. Um, Snyder might be out soon is the owner. There which you go. Is one reason to be optimistic. And then... The other reason is they have the easiest schedule in the NFL, according to win losses from last year. So the easiest schedule, and I think that that's the reason. Look, we went into last year thinking that Washington might have a top five defense. I mean, they've moved some pieces around a little bit, but a lot of the core guys are still there for that. So you're hoping that there's a bounce back that's going to happen for Washington. You're certainly hoping that Carson Wentz is going to be an upgrade over what they had last year with Taylor Heineke and Ryan Ryan Fitzpatrick being there for the beginning of the year before he got hurt. And so – Easy schedule, uh, I think, is probably the thing that they have going for them the most. You're hoping the defense bounces back, and then whatever faith you have left in Carson Wentz, throw it all on the table and uh, and see what happens. <laughs> they had a better-than-average offensive line. All their offensive linemen, sneaky good this year, all, all graded above average last year. Um, I would say the defensive line, though. If you go back to 2020 and what they did up front, they, they should not have had one of the better defenses. But because they did dominate up front with Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen coming into his own, um, very deep. All those former Bama players, all those former first-rounders on the defensive line, still one of the best young defensive lines in the NFL. So love that for the commanders. I also think they'll get bounce-back years, right? You've, uh, we talk about how secondary play can kind of fluctuate a little bit. William Jackson played well below his, uh, his highest standards, I will say, uh, last year. But William Jackson's going to bounce back, right? Because that's what, that's what corners do. They, they, their, their play yeah. fluctuates, oh. and he's just too talented to grade at 59 once again next year. Good. Yeah. So 
commanders are going to be better defensively. That D line is going to stay healthy. Chase Young coming back, and uh, Carson Wentz will be an upgrade at on the Super Bowl run. On the Super Bowl, right? Well, Carson Wentz going to the Super Bowl that he should have been in in 2017, <laughs> and it's going to happen in 2022 with the division rival Commanders. What a story! What a what story! Indeed, a story. Well, that's it, man. Do you want to do, do USFL next? Reasons for optimism of USFL? No, that's all Eric and uh, that's all Eric Eager and Ian Harditz. So if you want, if you want some USFL optimism, you got to get them on the show. Ian, that's right, tap out. Much respect for Ian giving giving the listeners and the viewers all of the USFL content that they truly, can handle. Truly, on the correct. PFF Fantasy uh, Football Podcast. Anyway, thank you, Trevor. Much appreciated, man. I know we went through all thirty-two teams. We gave everybody some hope. During OTA season here, training camps just starting end of next month. We're just a month away from training camp, kind of. Um, but man, it was it was fun going through and just being positive across the board while Sam's hey, out driving with his negativity. So, somebody's got to do it because Lord knows it wasn't going to be Sam. Not going to be Sam at all. It wasn't going to be Sam. So I appreciate it, Steve. This is a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, man. So I need the fans. Here's what we need. We need to crush the fatal flaws episode. And I'm just we saying, it, it, the numbers did well. The download people like the fatal flaws on YouTube. Come on, click the downloads. It. Send it to your friends. Yes, mass share. text it to everyone you know. If you're a fan of an NFL team, which I assume you are, you're going to say, "Listen, go go listen to the PFF NFL podcast." I got I got reason for hope, fellow Texans fan, fellow Lions fan, fellow Commanders fan, whatever it is. Tell your friends and uh, spread the love here. Anyway, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Thank you, Trevor, for joining us. Tell everybody uh, about your podcast and everything you're doing here at PFF as well. Yeah, uh, NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. Myself and Connor Rogers from Bleach Report. We're coming to you two days a week now on Mondays and Thursdays, having a lot of fun during the summer. We just dipped our toe into summer scouting, so we just began that this week. We looked over the potential quarterback class for 2023, but if 2023 sounds too far off in the distance for you, you can call it a preseason look at these quarterbacks. Just say so next year. Over all these just guys. next year. Building the draft class during the summer so you guys know exactly what to look out for when it comes to college football and, and when your team starts doing well or maybe not so well. Just getting a head start on some of your draft knowledge. So we're having a lot of fun doing that uh, on YouTube and then, of course, wherever you listen to your podcast. Awesome. So go go check out the Stock Exchange. Appreciate uh, Trevor. But real quick, the quarterback class going to be better next year? More than one first-rounder, yes. you think? Yeah, we, we okay. recorded it yesterday, and I was talking with Connor about it. And last year at this time, I got when we were doing summer scouting, it's like, all right, like there's like a like a handful of guys that like might be okay. But you get like – I got three, four names deep, and then I was like – Okay, like I'm not really like jazzed about any of these guys. This year, I watched eight guys in depthly, and there were still two, three, four guys that I wish I could have gotten to as well. So, like, there's plenty of players who you can fall in love with for many different reasons. I think we're we're we're, we're getting back on track. We're talking about multiple first round quarterbacks. This year's upcoming quarterback class in 2023 is going to be a lot more fun to talk about for sure. I like it. That's my that's my early feeling as well. Yeah. So that's yeah. Uh, draft coverage across the world, across the world, was down a little bit this year because the quarterbacks weren't as exciting. But next year, we're going year, back up. We'll we're be on back. the up. We're, uh, there's reason to be optimistic about it. All right, that's it. The optimism show. We're optimistic about next year's quarterback class as well. Anyway, thanks to everybody for tuning in. I'll be back on Monday. Mike Renner is going to be here. Poor Mike Renner without a home. Mm. Go check out. By the way, the final. I, I, I can never end a show. The final tailgate was just yesterday. So on uh, end of an era. 
over here either on YouTube or wherever you download your podcast. Go listen to the last tailgate. Mike Brenner now a, a podcast free agent. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna let him you know come into the studio on Monday and we'll oh, talk some. I, it's gonna be must listen for sure. Yeah. So thanks to everybody. We'll see you on Monday.